are you? He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute. I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wastoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. All right. All right. All right, all right, all right. All right. Welcome, everybody. It is Monday, February 19th. This is the Mike Rutherford Show. We're coming to you from the world-famous University of Louisville College of Business Studios here in sunny and lovely Louisville, Kentucky. Cards fans, if you want to take your career to new heights, there's only one way to do that. It's with an MBA from the University of Louisville. The full-time MBA is an innovative 12-month program that accelerates your career trajectory. Trajectory. With convenient in-person evening classes, competitive 11-month paid internship opportunities provide you with valuable industry experience as well. It's the MBA that pays. Get started today, and you can earn your degree in just one year. The first step is visiting business.louisville.edu. We're on the air today from 3.06 until 6 here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM. Streaming all over the west of the Mississippi and east of the Mississippi and beyond. You know what's better is the big X. It's Mike Rutherford here. Uh, Trey Ryan from Cluckers, I believe, is also here. Trey, how's it going? Happy uh, happy Monday to you. Happy Monday, sir. How are you? Uh, still struggling a little bit. Uh, deepest and most sincere apologies for the absences last week. I, I think most people, you know, when I wasn't on on Wednesday, you probably knew what was coming because we've been talking about it for like a week. You know, my, God, these bugs. Like two weeks ago, two Wednesdays ago, John gets sick with the kid has flu in his class. You know, we suspect that he's got flu. Friday, two days later, Mary and Virginia both come down with the, the flu bug. And I'm sitting here Monday, Tuesday last week. I'm like, I don't know how I haven't gotten it yet. Uh, I'm assuming it's coming. It hasn't come yet. Like we're, we're, we're there. The rest of the house is in shambles. I'm kind of holding up. And then certainly like Wednesday morning, it's uh, I wake up and it's like, all right, it's here. The reckoning has come. The, 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 uh, the the good fortune is no more. And we already had scheduled to take the kids to the doctor. And so we walk in, and shout out to our, our, one of our pediatricians, Dr. Jason. He's the man. Listens to the show. So we walk in, and he's already like, because he's been listening to the show. He's like, I heard we got a little flu buck here. And so, so he already knew what the deal was. And then it just goes on. Like, neither kid really. John kind of starts to get better, but Virginia's not getting any better. Mary's not getting any better. Um, and, and so, like, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I've. I'm I'm laid up. Like it's as sick as I've ever been, especially on Wednesday. I get home from the, the doctor with the kids and like fever's like 104. Um can't move. Like heart rate is like 125 lying, like just refuses to go down. It's just and, and it's one of those where like the fever is just so intense and the the, the pain is terrible. Like, there's like no relief. You can't get comfortable, you can't switch positions and feel a little bit better. It's a, it was very very bad. It was not not good at all. Don't recommend it. Don't go out there and go get the flu if you've been contemplating doing it for fun 
uh, was not great. But uh, I mean, we we took Mary took Virginia to the the ER on Thursday night as I'm like laid up and just just feeling terrible because she wasn't getting any, any better and she had this really weird black stool, which was it was it was all all very concerning. But we're finally coming out of it now. I still probably, I'm sure it sound a little bit like I got the ick. Um, be short of breath a little bit, still tired, but the, for most the most part, the the illness part of it, the chills and the the fever and all that good stuff has come and gone. So we're we're moving forward. We're bigger and better. Trey, can you turn me up a little bit? My is that possible? I can't. So I can yeah. hear myself. Yeah, I got you. Thanks, yeah. man. I appreciate it. There Sounds we go. A better. Yeah. There, there we go. There we go. Yeah. A little bit low. We're we're moving. I, I don't know what KRC does, but they just they ruin everything here in the board. Yeah, they just leave the board all messed up. That's what they do. They make it's me fix it. Classic scoots. This is classic. It's who he is. It's what he does. Speaking of scoots, I, I was I, I'm excited to have him in here tomorrow. I think for a little bit just to talk to him about this because I do want to discuss it with him. So scoots is always talking about you know he does play by play. We always get when he's on the show he does constant updates about where he's calling games that weekend. He's you know he's doing. Indiana high school football. He's been doing Indiana uh, baseball, basketball, like local games here now in Kentucky for the last few months. But I've never actually heard him call a game. I mean, he's always talking about doing the play-by-play stuff. And I think it was it was before I got so maybe like last Tuesday night. I see Roush tweet a link to a live stream of the St. X mail game, and he's like, "Our guy Justin Caitlin's on the call. He's doing the call." No way. Yeah, and I'm like, San X Mail made pretty big game. Like, yeah, pretty big game for Scoots there. X is very good. Mail's always good. Um, you know, X stole an LIT title from Trinity. It's okay. You know, whatever. But so Scoots is on the call. I'm like, I, I, I'm going to check a little bit of this out. Never heard Scoots call a game. Plus, I can watch good local high school basketball for a little bit. And Scoots' voice when he does play-by-play is completely different than when he's just talking normally. No, you get a completely different breed of Scoots when he's call- when he's on the call. It's like, unreal. It's, it's it's not Scoots. It's like, not the same guy. I mean, typically, you know, when you have play-by-play, like, you know, we've I feel like I've interviewed a lot of play-by-play guys over the years when we have guys on, like Reese Davis came on the show back on the day. Uh, we Bob Costas and, and, you know, local guys. that We would always get the announcers for the team we were playing that week on the radio show. And for the most part, like, they talk like they do when they're on the radio, you know, less inflection, of course, but like the, the voice is still the same. Like when you hear Paul Rogers doing interviews on the radio, he's not, you know, enunciating and, and going crazy, but he's, you can very much tell it's Paul Rogers. I hear scoots. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm firing up the games, like just starting. And he's like, here comes Edlin down the, I was like, Oh my God, that's scoots. Uh, he, he sounds completely different. I mean, his, his radio play by play voice is such a, it's such a hard left turn from what you hear here on the show. I've got. To, I want to talk to him about it. I mean, he sounds. He's, he does a great job. He's really, really good at it. No, it truly does do a great job. And the first time I heard him, I was. I, I had to ask my dad. I was like, "So, who's this new guy you got on the air right now?" And he's he like, sounds totally different. He's like, "It's Scoots." And I was like, <laughs> "No." He sounds totally different. It's, no. it, it was very funny to hear. But like I said, he does a, a fantastic does job. Uh, I think Sanex won that game. It was. It was very close. Well, I mean, the first quarter I was watching, Mail was was winning, but. Looked like uh, Cynics ended up pulling out. Yeah, the Bulldogs victory. dropped one to Manuel the other night too. I saw that, that was pretty bad, that and I, I saw the game. only thing I saw of that was the clip of Manuel throwing the alley oop off the backboard at the closing seconds. Yeah, that was pretty, which nice. was pretty badass. Yeah, that, so was that, pretty that, bad. was, that was that was pretty. That was, they that, smacked them a little bit too. It was kind of surprising. It was a, it was definitely. Beat. I mean, Manuel's good this year. Mel sounds like he's a little bit down. Seventh region very competitive. You've got uh, yeah. It sounds like it's up for Manuel's very good. Trinity's very good. Cynics is very good. Mail and Ballard are always going to be there, even though they're a little bit down this year. So. Uh, and sixth region also kind of up for grabs. It's a good, it's a, it's an interesting year in local high school basketball for certain. Uh, it was a we. There's no point in recapping all the stuff we missed the last three days of last week because 
we're coming off a weekend. A lot of stuff's happened this weekend. Not a lot of it was very cool if you're a Louisville fan. Women's basketball thumped a little bit yesterday by Virginia Tech. Men's basketball playing with like three guys on Saturday. Thumped by Pitt. Eh, historic performance by Blake Henson. Baseball. Hey, we got baseball. Baseball's back. We're good to go. Terrible start to the season. 0-2 and then the third game is canceled. Softball's 10-1. and We got that to talk about. We're, we're happy about that. But it was a rough weekend in the world of major UofL sports. Uh, we can recap all that good stuff. Uh, I will share some of the latest rumors on the what, what's going on with the coaching situation. You know, what are people saying? Who knows if any of it's legit? But there's scuttle, and people love the scuttle. So we'll we'll, we'll talk about the scuttle. Uh, we'll talk about who's latest on the big board. We we've, we've got time to make up. We 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 have we have to get back onto our coaching candidate search of the day. Uh, we missed three last week. Maybe we'll do some extras today just to make sure that we're covering all of our bases here. And there's some general college basketball stuff to get to. There's some general. Rick Pitino went wild yesterday. We'll get to all that. We want to hear from you throughout the course of today's show as well. On the Thornton's text line at 502-414-1450. Reminder, Thornton's has the best deals for you all 2024 long. If you want to take advantage, though, you have to be a Refreshing Rewards Program member. Do yourself a favor. Download the Refreshing Rewards app. Very easy to do. Go to your app store, search Thornton's. You'll download that bad boy in about a minute. And then you'll be signed up and ready to save some money at the pump or save some money inside Anytime you stop into one of this area, 67,892 Thornton's locations. There's that many of them for a reason. They know what they're doing. Do all that and then text us at 502-414-1450. Trey Ryan, how how was the weekend, buddy? You sound refreshed. You sound very good. You sound like you're ready to go. How was the the weekend? Oh, it was great. Can't complain. Uh, We actually hit a pretty big parlay the the other day. Okay. Yeah, that was was fun. Um, But yeah, nothing too crazy. I had people in my house on Friday, but kind of a chill weekend. Nothing too crazy. What was the parlay? Yeah, I need, I need, I could, could have used the text because I'll be quite frank. I am ice cold after doing so well college basketball the first like three months of the season. I, the last week and a half has been has been rough. You know, it was some random teams. Uh, nine points for Kentucky seemed like it was a that like I don't know. I kind of had a feeling that they were going to cover nine there. I think it was eight or nine that I got the spread at. So I hate to say that I bet on Kentucky, but I did, um, and it ended up working out. And I think it was some random stuff like Toledo money line, some random stuff. I don't know, but it hit for like two hundred dollars, so that was fun. I don't care for that. I don't care for the random selections doing I'm better sorry. than my well thought out picks. I'm I, sorry, Mike. I'm also not a big fan of Kentucky playing the way they did on Saturday. No, I, I was like, you know, in the midst. Also, we we've had like I think three or four straight weeks where Louisville Kentucky are playing at the same times. So I can't like I'm not watching the UK game because because Louisville's playing. But I'm seeing us just getting our asses handed to us and then noting on Twitter and looking at scoreboards and, and stuff like that and seeing that UK's kind of handing it to Auburn a little bit on the road. I'm like, well, I don't care for this one bit because, you know, the the saving grace of the last few months has been, you know, we're not very good, but at least Kentucky, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're coming down to earth a little bit. They're not going to be a realistic threat to do anything in March. And I need them out before the Elite Eight. I can't, uh, I, I can't stomach seeing them play in a regional final. I need them to be gone. And the fact that they gave this performance where they played well defensively against a really good, uh, really athletic Auburn team on the road is, I'm a little bit rattled by it. I don't, I don't like it one bit. And I don't, I don't need that to add to the, the sadness that's coming next month with a Louisville-less NCAA tournament for a 58th straight year, whatever it's been. But we can start there, we, we, not with Kentucky, but we can start there with, uh, with UofL men's basketball. The conversation has changed dramatically since the last time that I was on the air last Tuesday. Not, I mean, I say that. It hasn't changed. The, the, the overarching conversation hasn't changed. But this whole, 
they're going to make it awkward. They're going to make it weird. They're going to get on a nice little run here in February, you know, win five, six games. That part of it has changed. And some of that is just bad luck. Some of it is just playing really, really poorly. I mean, I thought when we left the show on Tuesday, getting ready for the Wednesday game against Boston College, I was still very much of the belief that this was going to be a team. I think I said that they would go four and four in their last eight, which would put them at 12 wins going into the conference tournament, chance to win 13 games, chance to keep your final loss total under nine, uh, under, under 20. It was possible. I, I don't know if that's possible anymore with the injuries that, that we're dealing with and with the, t- the way the team has looked the last two games. Tyler Johnson being out on Saturday, I don't even know how we like evaluate this game. We can talk about the way the team played defensively, but like you knew going into it, it was going to be terrible. Boston College on, on Wednesday night, great for a half. They're up by eight at halftime. You're feeling like life without Sky Clark. Maybe it's going to be okay. We already beat Florida State without him. Maybe this is going to work out. And then the second half, and they just they hit a wall. One, they didn't play well in the second half. They made silly mistakes. They didn't. Earl Grant made some adjustments at halftime. We did not, as we tend to do, counterpunch at all with anything different. We tried to keep doing the things that worked in the first half, and then they didn't because BC took them away. And when BC got a little bit of run going, we kind of folded our tents a little bit. I, I do think that just fatigue setting in, only having really six guys that you can play and really trust, came back to bite us in that game at the end. And, and you, know, you lose by 12 to a whatever Boston College team on the road. It's, I, I don't know how you evaluate that. I really don't. And then the pit game on Saturday, you knew what you were walking into. I didn't think it was good, as bad as it did, but I wasn't shocked to see Pitt roll to a 27-point victory where we let Blake Henson do whatever he wanted to do. And that's not shocking. That's also not a product of being shorthanded, not having a point guard. It's just what we do. I've been saying this for, for, for two years now. If there's something that an opposing team does exceptionally well, we will let them do it even better than they usually do it against us. We never take away the other team's biggest strengths. In fact, we let them accentuate them. We get lit up by every team's best player. Every team's best player. Their leading score is going to go off on us. Their leading score is going to up their scoring average because it's like we don't game plan. It's like we don't look at film. It's like we don't say, hey, this is a catch-and-shoot guy. Hey, this is what he likes to do on the high ball screen. We just, we don't, <laughs> we never take away anybody's strength. And Blake Hinson out there, who's very much, he's a well-rounded player, but his strength is primarily as a catch-and-shoot guy. It's who he's been throughout his college career. And we let him catch and shoot to get going. We let him see the ball go through the net several times because we don't know how to guard the perimeter. And sometimes we just don't care about guarding the perimeter. It's the weirdest thing in the entire world. So, we let their best player go off. He scores 41 points against us. It should be noted, we let a pit guys go for 43 just a few years ago. Jamel Artis scored 43 against us in 2017, and we beat them 85 to 80. Um, nowadays, when guys go off for 35, 40 plus, we're, we're not winning games because everyone else is kind of having good games too. It, it was just a, I, I'd say, lackluster defensive effort, but it was what we come to expect. Pit averaged uh, 1.37 points per possession. That's you know better than the best offense in college basketball is averaging for a season. Everybody becomes a, a top five efficient offense against us every single game. And that's full roster, a couple guys out, 
multiple guys out. That That's a constant thing. You cannot blame that on injuries. We just don't know how to play defense. Kelly Dickey said this after the game. Chris Bell from Syracuse having 30 points. Miles Kelly from Georgia Tech having 36 points. And now Blake Hinson from Pittsburgh scoring 41 points became the first trio of opposing players to score 30-plus points within a four-game span against Louisville in the history of the program. <coughs> Sorry. So more history there. More history we made Saturday night. None of it good. I don't know the point. I don't see the point in like going in-depth and evaluating these games because most of the guys are still playing hard. But there's only so much you can do with six bodies and no point guards. I do think it's worth mentioning that if you want to play the the woe is me Kenny Payne card and the, the guy can't catch a break, he assembled the roster this way. He assembled the roster in a way where we were always just a couple of injuries away from not having any counterpunch, from being a complete and utter disaster. I mean, we're already pretty much a disaster at full strength. But it's it's a lot worse when you don't have Sky Clark, you don't have J.J. Trainer, you don't have Tyler Johnson, you don't have whoever. This is why you cannot just go out there and waste scholarships. And we wasted two scholarships. I don't, don't like bagging on kids, but look at the roster. Everyone knew it when it happened. Karan Davis, people try to tell us he was actually going to be good. Karan Davis was the weirdest recruitment I can ever remember as a Louisville basketball fan. And they used him to plug a position where you had to have a quality ad. You had to have a quality secondary ball handler. And Karan Davis initially was supposed to be that guy. A, a, a Juco with no recruiting footprint. No profile pages. Nobody's ever ranked him. Nobody's ever heard of this guy. And predictably, it ended poorly. Danilo Yovanovich. The uh, nobody even knew he was in the transfer portal. You got a million guys in the portal, a lot of them very accomplished college players. We went out there and we took a guy that nobody knew anything about, redshirted at Miami. Some people said, "Oh, is he?" We've got high school uh, footage of him knocking down mid-range jumpers. That means he's he's going to be able to contribute here. Danilo Yovanovich is not an ACC player. I think we, I, I think we can say that we've seen enough. That's two scholarships out of your 13 that are just gone, that are wasted. And then Trenton Flowers coming here and saying thanks but no thanks after being on campus for two weeks. At some point, that's kind of on you too. That's three scholarships. So you're down to 10 guys on a Division I roster. You've got two ball handlers, basically. Nobody else can initiate the offense here. Guys can do a, a good enough job. I mean, Mike James handles it okay. Trey White handles it okay. Curtis Williams handles it okay. None of them are, are are legitimate point guards. And it's incredibly obvious every time they're on the floor and they're having to play that role. We, we saw it last year. We finally tried to get LLS a break and play Mike James the point, and he turned it over th- uh, three times in four possessions. Fine player, does a lot well. He's the heart and soul of this team, but not a point guard. And we've, you know, it'd be one thing if nobody saw this coming. We've all been screaming about the point guard, the primary ball handler, the secondary ball handler issues with this roster construction for the last two years. It bit us in the ass in a gigantic way this year. And then we came back and we didn't really change that much. 
And I'm not, I mean, Tyler Johnson kind of falls into our lap at the last second because he can't get into Memphis and he's the only top 150 kid available at the 11th hour. And we've got a scholarship available because we haven't used them in the transfer portal. So we end up falling into him and he's great. Like Tyler Johnson, I'll stand by it. I think has the potential with the right coaching, the right system and the right self-motivation, the right off-season type of development to become one of the better guards in college basketball by the time he's ready to graduate. I wholeheartedly believe that. I don't think that that's hyperbole. He does things that you can't teach. He's a He's got tremendous instincts. He's a terrific passer. He's quick as hell off the bounce. He's a great finisher for his size in traffic. If he improves the outside shot and cuts down on some of the you know, gambling on defense, committing fouls, which come as a, as a direct result of that gambling, and some of the erratic play on offense... He can be great. He's doing what, you know, he's he's impacting games in a gigantic way here as a true freshman. But we kind of fell into him, if we're being honest. The initial plan was to not have another ball handler besides Sky Clark. We don't like small guards here. We're going to play like Florida State. Six, seven dudes who can handle it. We don't have six, seven dudes who can handle it. We don't have six, five guys who can handle it. We had one guy who can handle it in Sky Clark. And then we got Tyler Johnson and he helped out. But something happens to Sky Clark. Something happens to Tyler Johnson. You get what you've got Saturday night. And is it bad luck? Of course it's bad luck. But it's also on you for the way that you built this roster to not have any fallback plan whatsoever. You essentially threw three scholarships out the window. You got a couple other guys who are, you know, very clearly not going to be able to help you out when it comes to ball handling. And this is what happens. 86-59, we had beaten Pitt 17 out of 18 times before the last time we met them in Chris Mack's final season. We've now lost five straight to Pitt. And they have all been ass kickings. We've lost to Pitt by an average of 23.4 points per game during this five-game winning streak. Again, a program that we had beaten 17 out of 18 tries before the last game of 2022. It's embarrassing, man. It's all embarrassing. And I know this has shifted. The last two games have shifted. There's no real pivot anymore for the Kenny deserves a third-year crowd outside of the the injuries and the team was turning a corner before the injuries happened and all that stuff. But it certainly seems like we're firmly back entrenched in the coaching search candidate radio, not the is he going to get a third-year radio. And I'm not giving you any inside info here as far as what's going to happen or what's not going to happen. I choose to believe what, I, what I, I've believed for the last couple of months, which is that in the end, the powers that be at UofL will recognize the, the most obvious of all truths, which is that we simply cannot do this for another year. We cannot do this for another year. Look at how far we've fallen. Look at the difference in the conversations that we're having about the program now compared to the pro- the conversations that we've been having for, I don't care how old you are, if you're listening to this, the entirety of your life. In late February, we've never been talking about, can they get to 10 wins? Is there a chance they're not going to finish dead last in the conference? I miss the bracketology talk. I miss making fun of Joe Lenardi. I miss wondering if we're going to get the double buy or not. I miss debating. We used to debate about whether or not we wanted to win conference tournament championships. 
Is it better to get that extra day of rest? Remember when that was something that we could pick and choose? We haven't played in an ACC tournament semifinal since we joined the conference. We're not going to make it to a quarterfinal for, what, a third straight year now? Unless something crazy happens? You can't let this go on anymore. You can't, the infighting's no good for anybody. Losing 50 games in two years, I mean, that, that's it right there. And if you're still sitting out there holding out hope or, or you know, thinking a third year can be better, I mean, somebody was making the point, I, I saw it making the rounds on social media on Saturday night about, you know, look at what Pitt's doing right now with Jeff Capel. They have a couple losing seasons at the beginning. People are a little bit mad, but they were patient. And now they're reaping the benefits. Back-to-back winning seasons. One, back-to-back winning seasons cannot be the goal here. Two, Pitt was in... Pitt's not Louisville. It's not. I know they had some great years with us in the Big East. They're not us. And three, it's not like the Pitt fan base is hailing Jeff Jeff Capel as a conquering hero. He still very much is, I think, on the warm seat in Pittsburgh. There's no guarantee that they're going to make the NCAA tournament. They've had a great stretch of, of four weeks here where they've won seven out of eight games, beating Duke on the road, beating Virginia on the road. Those are two fantastic wins. Uh, beat Wake at home. They might make the tournament. But, my, I mean, is going to a first four and winning a couple of games, is that what we want to be as a program? Because this, you know, this is year six of Jeff Capel. You're getting him in his... His final form, if you will. This is the best of life with Jeff Capel at Pitt. And he's been to one NCAA tournament as a first four participant where he ended up winning a couple of games. And now he's flirting with maybe making the NCAA tournament in year six. Is this what we want to be in year six of a new coach? My God. You can't, you can't keep doing this. You just can't. And it's... 50 losses in two years should be the only point that that has to be made. And I'm surprised that there even is a debate. But what I would say to people that are still saying we can get better in year three or four, we can win 19 games next year. Maybe we can make the NCAA tournament next year. If you had gone to yourself, put yourself back in the position of where we were 24 months ago. Kenny, uh, Chris Mack's gone. We're struggling through a rough final stretch with Mike Pegues. We're still supporting the team, but it's it's very clear that this just, nothing's going to be saved. Nothing's going to be salvaged with this group. They're fighting every game. We're losing close games, but we're still losing. And then every now and then, they're just kind of throwing in a clunker there where they clearly just, just do not care. We know we're going to have to make a hire. We know it's not, Pegues isn't going to get the job. We're trying to hire somebody who's going to bring the program back. I don't care who the coach was. But 24 months ago, when you were envisioning the next person that was going to come in here and take over the Louisville men's basketball program, if we had told you at that point in time that that person was going to lose 50 games in their first two years and that we were probably going to finish last in back-to-back years in the ACC, I, I wouldn't have had to have given you the name. You would have said, whoever it is, you've got to move on. That's a disaster of all disasters. And if you're saying otherwise, you're lying. Nobody in their right minds would have signed up for that. 
I don't care what the NCAA stuff said. You could say, well, they're recruiting really well. They got a bunch of five stars coming in for year three, which isn't the case here. You could say, well, they had scholarship reduction because of NCAA penalties. You could say they couldn't play on TV because of NCAA penalties. Everyone would have said, you lose 50 games and you win 14-15 in two years. Got to go, man. And that's where we are right now. Let common sense prevail. We cannot afford to do this for another three year, uh, for another uh, another year, both you know, financially and mentally. We cannot afford to do it. I cannot do another spring where these are the conversations. I will lose my mind. What little I have of it left, if we're sitting here next February nineteenth talking about the direction of the program, I want to be talking about where we stand in the conference tournament. I want to be talking about our net ranking. I don't want to be talking about a 195 net ranking, which is where we are right now. And in order to make that happen, we've seen enough. There has to be a change. Has to be a change. We'll take our first break. When we come back here, a couple other college basketball thoughts. We'll talk about the women's team yesterday and a couple of quick baseball notes. Rough start for a rough weekend over uh, overall for UofL sports. We'll continue the talk here on the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 and 96.1, The Big X. Welcome back in. Monday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show. Back from the almost dead here on 1450 and 96.1, the Big X. Reminder, you can find the podcast of every Rutherford Show on the uh, 1450 podcast page. Wherever you listen to your podcast, just search 1450, the Big X. You'll find every episode of the Mike Rutherford Show, Spears on Sports, and the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison every single day uploaded there. If you miss a second of the show, there's no excuse for it. No excuse. Let's do our first coaching search can of the day. I'm ready. We, we missed uh, three days last week. Uh, you know, we, we, we have to keep the list going. Trey, give me a number, uh, number 45 through 150. Let's do 101. 101. All right, here 101. We here we go. Oh, okay. We like smarts around here. How about dipping into the Ivy League for the second time for a coaching candidate? We've already had um, Mitch Henderson from Princeton. Princeton having a great year. You know, else is having a great year. Cornell. Cornell. Andy Bernard University. There it is. And they've been led by the same man for the last uh, seven, eight years. His name is Brian Earl. Brian Earl, all he does is win games for the Big Red. Took over a program that was reeling a little bit. Had a couple losing seasons in a row. Now, 15-11 and 11 last year. 17-11 and 11, uh, two years ago. 19-4 and four this year with an 8-1 and one record in the Ivy League. They are number 101 on Ken Palm. Narrow losses to Syracuse and Baylor during the offseason. The only team that's beaten them in conference play so far this year are the Yale Bulldogs, and it was a road game. Narrow loss by two points. Uh, Yale, who leads the, uh, the is tied for the Ivy League title with Cornell. 
Don't be surprised if Brian Earl gets a lot of traction. If they win the Ivy League title, go to the NCAA tournament. They're very capable of beating a team. There are three teams in the Ivy League this year that I feel like could win a game in the NCAA tournament if they wind up making it. Only one's going to, but Princeton, Yale, and Cornell are all very good teams. And if uh, Cornell makes it, Brian Earl may get a little bit of uh, extra attention. Might become a hot commodity. And I've heard that there's palpable buzz about the mutual interest between Josh Hurd and Brian Earl. So put them on the list. Brian Earl, your first, your first of, I think we'll do three coaching search candidates of the day. Right behind Ross Hodge. There he is. Uh, it was a rough weekend overall for Cardinal sports. We mentioned that at the outset here, but uh, the men's basketball team getting embarrassed at Pitt was just part of the equation. We had a major opportunity yesterday at the KFC Yum Center. The U of L women's team, in a rematch of last year's ACC tournament championship, was hosting uh, Virginia Tech, number twelve in the country. Elizabeth Kittler, who's never going to graduate, apparently, uh, she's back in town. A chance to knock off the number one team in the current conference standings, get yourself back into a position where you've got a shot at winning a regular season title, a shot at locking down one of those four double buys for the conference tournament. And it was bad from the outset. Louisville got lit up by a Virginia Tech team that was very much coming in, trying to make a statement. You know, VT came into the year as coming off of a Final Four, and a lot of people were talking about them as one of those four or five teams right there behind the the Iowas and the LSUs and the South Carolinas of the world that had a shot legitimately to win a national title. And that conversation's died down a little bit as the season's gone on. Took a couple of unexpected early losses. They've got two losses in conference play. And they're looking to hit a stretch run. And they made quite the statement yesterday coming out here and making every shot it seemed like they took from outside. They shot 65.4% from the game. They led by, what did they lead by, 15 and a half times, 14 and a half times, something like that. Um, it was never, the, the, the crowd, which was great, so, you know, lower bowl, not a seat to be found. They were into it the entire game. They kept willing Louisville back into it. And every time the cards could get it down to like 10 or 12, VT would just hit a shot from the outside um, to quiet everybody. And it was an 86-70 victory that kind of felt like it was a 16 to 20 point margin the entire game. It just, it felt like it was destined to finish that way. And I think now with this Louisville women's basketball team, you're starting to wonder if this is sort of where their ceiling is. It's been a, I don't think anybody argues otherwise. It's been a great coaching job by Jeff Walls. He lost a bunch of players that he wasn't expecting to lose from last year's team. He had to bring in nine newcomers. He's never done anything like this before. He's never had this much lack of continuity. And he's also never had this little star power. He got a bunch of players from the portal, brought back two I mean, contributors, really only one key contributor from last year's team. And he's such a system guy. He's such a culture guy that, that doing it with an entirely new roster, you wondered how it was going to go. And Louisville's still been a top 25 team this entire season. They're still sitting here at 21-6 and six, uh, with a, a couple weeks to play in the regular season. I mean, you know, they're still 10-4. and four. Number four right now in the conference standing. Still very much a, a good shot to have that double bye and you know play for a conference title again. But I think there's a lack of faith in their ability to win a game against one of those you know 10 to 12 teams that's just better than them in the NCAA tournament. I think that puts a ceiling on this team. We've said it before on the show, we'll say it again. Only program in America that's been to five straight elite eights 
one of three programs in America that's been to six straight Sweet 16s. I think they're fully capable of getting back to the Sweet 16. I, I think you're looking at probably a four or five seed. But if you run into one of those one seeds in, in the, the third game, it's hard to see this team having that type of ability that we've had in years past where it's like, I would be surprised if they didn't win this game. They just seem, I know they played a competitive game against NC State. They still lost by 10, but it was a competitive game. But they just seem outgunned in a lot of these games against the bigger teams on their schedule. Like UConn, who's, you know, again, UConn, they've been fine. But this is not one of the UConn teams that you expect to see. They're not the UConn of old. And they blitzed like Louisville like they were the UConn of old. 86-62. And it wasn't really that close. The North Carolina game a couple a few, a few weeks ago, their first conference loss, I thought they also looked a little bit outmanned in that game. NC State, they start off in a huge hole because NC State just comes out and punches them right in the mouth. They looked rough in the win against Boston College in, in the week. That's a BC team that only had three, only still does, only have three conference wins. And your life and death to win that game. Took Nina Ricard's heroics down the stretch to make that happen. I think you just, and again, like if they, if they do wind up being a four or five seed that goes to the Sweet 16, it's a good season. It's hard to really fault that. They came in without top 10 expectations for the first time in like seven years. It's new for this program to be where they are, but it's also, it's just kind of jarring to see them not more firmly in the mix at this point in the calendar year. Now, with the men's team, we're, you know, we're sitting here talking about the men's team. Like We would die to be in the, the, the mix the way that the women's team is uh, at this point. Everyone talking about them being... like Louisville's a lock to make the NCAA tournament. They're a lock to be a single-digit seed. But we're like, yeah, they might not make a Final Four. They might not be a real threat to win a national title. It's you know the men's side. We're like, are we ever going to get back to being featured in anybody's bubble watch again? But it's different with the women's team because they've been that good for this long. And this is what we come to expect from Jeff Walt. And I'm just not sure that they... I don't know if it's the lack of star power. I know they have the lack of outside shooting, which just kills you at this level. But there's just not... They don't have the the studs that the best teams in, in women's college basketball have. Still very excited to watch them play in the NCAA tournament. Still very excited to watch them play down the stretch of the season. They've got four more games left. Uh, all four of them are winnable. You have a nice, you know, that, that game against Florida State, which is going to wind up being our senior night on February 29th, is potentially going to be what determines who gets the fourth double bye, who, who's the four seed in the, in the conference tournament. We currently have a half game lead on FSU in the conference standings. Got to take care of business against GT this week. Got to take care of business against Virginia on, on Sunday at home. But you win those two games, then you get FSU, and then you play at Notre Dame, who's very good, but you've already beaten them. And you look, Pretty good in beating them. That would be a nice quality victory to go. If we can get a four-game winning streak going into the conference tournament, maybe win a couple games in the league tournament, at least play for the title. Then I think you set yourself up to be probably a four seed in the NCAA tournament. And with the right draw, maybe a couple breaks, you're you're going on a run again. But I do think they're a team that's going to need a couple of breaks. You're going to need somebody else to knock off one of those top seeds. Because the top seeds in women's basketball, and this is a, a, kind of a recurring theme, it's certainly a, a recurring talking point, they're just that much better than everybody else. 
South Carolina, like you're not, I don't think we're ready for South Carolina. I don't think we're ready for Stanford. I don't think we're ready for, was it Colorado, Ohio State, UCLA, Texas, those types of teams. We're, we're just, Iowa certainly, we saw what they did to us last year in the Elite Eight. NC State's the other number two right now. And you know, we, Again, we uh, good showing in Raleigh, you still lost by 10. Hopefully, I, I don't know if there's another gear you can find. I don't know if there's another fix. I, if I trust anybody to find it, it's Jeff Walls. But I just think that they're, I worry that we've seen their ceiling already. But, Maybe things can change these next couple of weeks. But it was a disappointing effort for sure. I'm not sure how much they could have done differently in that game. It was it was Virginia Tech's day. First home loss of the season for the UofL women. Great crowd. Crowd did all it could. But ultimately, better team won out. Baseball. An even worse story, I think. I've been very, very much of the belief that UofL baseball was going to back, bounce back this season. We had Dan McDonald on the show a couple months ago. And... It, reaffirm that belief. I love what he was saying. I, I love that he took ownership of everything that happened last year. I love that he was like, you can't rest on your laurels. You can't just rely on what's worked for you for the past 10, 15 years, even if it's worked at the highest possible level. If the game is changing, you have to change with it. And so he said, we've changed. Transfer portal, we're we're dipping fully in there. They went and they got some big time pitching help out of the portal, a couple sticks to help out of the portal. They were feeling good. His message this entire offseason has been about having pride in the program. We want to win a national title. You know, you know, being the lion, not being the the guy who's hunting. You want to be the lion. And I bought into it. I still am kind of bought into it. But I would be turning a blind eye to what I saw if I didn't acknowledge that the opening weekend was about as concerning as it could have possibly been we've had some head scratching losses early in seasons before but you you know it happens in college baseball sometimes but the way in which these two losses happened over the weekend the two it was a doubleheader loss on Saturday I guess guess Friday losing to Indiana State 7-8 losing to Connecticut 4-3 and they both kind of went the same way where Louisville bats not getting it done in key situations. A lot of guys left uh, in scoring position at times where it felt like they had a chance to break the game open. And then the bullpen just letting you down. Louisville bounces back from that really slow start against Connecticut on in the second game. Gets three runs in the seventh inning. Had a chance to get more. They Again, like they left the bases loaded. College baseball, a lot of runs are going to be scored. You've got to capitalize when you have those opportunities. But still, they, they come away with a 3-1 lead, and you're feeling like, okay, here we go. Eighth inning, back-to-back homers, tie game. Ninth inning, guy walks the first guy in the ninth inning. Happens what? The old stat's 80%. I don't know if that's true. But 80% of the time, the leadoff guy walks, he scores. Leadoff guy scored. Game over. Done. First game, kind of the same thing. Indiana State. Gets out up front. Bats are slow to start. They respond. You're up 4-2. Indiana State answers. You answer right back with three in the six. You're leading. It's time to put this thing away. You've got a 7-5 a to five lead. Bring in the horses. Promptly give up three runs to Indiana State in the seventh, and you lose by one. 
it's the way in which those losses both happened were so eerily reminiscent of so many of the losses last year that kept us not out of, not just out of the NCAA tournament but out of the ACC tournament. It's concerning. Very, very early for sure, but still hard to just ignore the fact that it looked a lot like what we saw throughout the course of last season. They will try to bet, you know, the, the third game they were going to play, which I was very interested to see how it went against South Florida, ended up getting just postponed. So overall, just a super disappointing trip to Tampa. The weather sucked, the, 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 the play sucked, and you come back with an 0-2 record. Nobody's happy with that. They will try to get things right on Wednesday. Home opener at Jim Patterson Stadium. They will host Xavier at uh, at three o'clock, and then they, their first weekend series of the year is going to go down Friday, Saturday, Sunday against St. Bonaventure. So you've got a stretch here now where I know Youngstown State's like a good mid-major program, but you've got EKU coming to town for the the Tuesday slate. Youngstown State, Moorhead, Northwestern. Like you've got programs coming in where you should be able to to rack up some wins. If there's one loss, two losses mixed in there, okay. But if this team is 500 or something going into their first conference series against Virginia Tech, I think you start to get legitimately concerned not just about this season, but where the program is headed under Dan McDonald. I mean, we have been such a juggernaut for so many years, and it was the most reliable thing in all of sports to just say, we're going to have we're going to have late May, early June baseball at Jim Patterson Stadium. We're going to host a regional, might host a super regional. But we're always going to be there. And now it's just such a about face where it's you know, two of the last three years haven't made the NCAA tournament. Last year, you go from being number three in the country at one point early in the year to not even making your own conference tournament. You start to get a little bit concerned. Like maybe the magic has, has left. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the deal with the pitching is. But these next few weeks, I think, are going to go a long way towards determining what the panic level should be as we head into conference play. On the flip side, quick shout out to a program that is uh, making some early season noise, Louisville Softball. I'll give uh, Holly April some credit here. Deserves a, a nice shout out. After the couple of weeks that they had starting their season down there in Florida, they played in a tournament as well uh, and then played a couple of uh, series against Florida Atlantic and FIU and the teams that were down there and took care of business for the most part. Just one loss to start the season. They are 10-1. and one. Um you know, beat Georgetown a couple of times, beat Florida Gulf Coast, beat Long Island, beat uh, FAU, uh, beat Seton Hall, lost one game to FAU, and then bounced right back and beat Maine and Michigan in back-to-back games. A uh, lot of great pitching, a lot of great defense. Props to the ladies of the Louisville softball team getting us off to a 10-1 and start. Best start for the program since, I think, back in 2012. So there are good things happening. There are good things happening. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. I'll take a couple of texts here before we get deep into the heart of uh, text line talk and wrap up hour number one. Texture says, with consecutive losses, I'm glad that we can now talk about coaching candidates versus KP in year three. My top three now, Nate Oates, Will Wade, and TJ Otzelberger. TJ is the way. Mike, give us your top three in no order. Oates is the goat. Don't fade Wade. TJ is the way. I tell you what, we're going to start next hour with a little bit of coaching scuttle. So I'll, I'll save any top three talk and some other talk for that 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 going on. Texas, for the love of God, can we get some real ice cream back in the Yum Center? None of the soft serve garbage. Oh yeah, and fire KP. Glad that we're getting the heart of real issues here with the U of L basketball program. 
Trey, you a soft serve guy? You know, I do. I, I like soft serve. I don't mind soft serve uh, there's either. There's nothing wrong with it. There's a place for it. There's definitely a place for it. I, I didn't realize that, that there was a, we, we had ice cream. Debate. I know Kentucky talked about their ice cream ad nauseum. Well, are they saying they want is Earlers not? Did they not used to have that there? Am I? I I guess not. They they they've had Graders there. Is great. I would have I would have sworn up and down that there was Earlers in the Yum Center at one point or another. No, there definitely was. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's so if you want Earlers, I can't really fault you for wanting Earlers over soft serve because it is pretty good. But there's room for soft serve in, in the world. I think their concern is that it's just soft serve now. And not real ice cream, according to the texter. And text line, of course, not it, it's not 100% accurate, but it's like 99.8% accurate. <laughs> so I don't know what the ice cream situation is there, but it is concerning. We, we, I went to the ice cream cart and got a cookie because my daughter refuses to eat ice cream because it's, quote, too cold. Um, I don't know. We're going to have to get over that at some point. But I don't know what the ice cream situation is at the Yum Center, but apparently it needs to get fixed. Doesn't sound good. We got to keep, uh, you know, the UK, the ice cream. I've never had Rupperina ice cream, but my God, people talk about it like there's there's cocaine in it. Like they just, they they love this stuff. It's incredible. It just gives me that next, uh. I've never had it, but we need to keep up with them. We got to make sure that our ice cream is at least in the same ballpark. Texas says, Mike lives. It's a winter miracle. I'm barely living. I'm doing the best I can. It's uh, feeling okay. No chills, no headache, but the exhaustion is still very much. I mean, my wife has had it for... She got sick two Fridays ago, and she's still like drag. She's yeah, she's still rough. We, we, we have Disney coming up this week. I mean, that's the big thing. Is we're very concerned about getting the kids ready and, and making sure that we're we're healthy and ready to go for Disney because it's uh you know we've never taken a trip in the middle of basketball season, and we gotta make sure that it's not gonna be one where I'm just like hold up the entire time, can't breathe, gotta get it going. Disney time, baby. Texas says. I'm sure you've caught wind of the Twitter space yesterday that was held by a whole bunch of the KP Mafia while the women's game was going on. Can we please get KP out of here? Those dudes were in there talking about everything but basketball. I hopped in for five minutes just to attempt to tell them I thought the space was nonsense and they should uh, put the women's team on if they want to be fans, but they just wouldn't shut up, so I just left. I'm not familiar with the spaces that we're talking about, but I'm sure it was lovely. (laughs) I mean, we just need to, everyone needs the same page. We need a fresh start for sure because there's nothing about what's happening right now across the entire program that's healthy whatsoever. Most of all, the fact that we've become the laughing stock of college. We've become the laughing stock of college basketball. And there are people out there that are defending it. I mean, I keep going back to, to Keith Wynn's tweet from last year where he's like, I always kind of wondered what it would look like if we had if Louisville football or basketball had like the ultimate failure of all failures. And I, he's like, I never thought there would be any sort of disagreement about it. Like Louisville basketball goes four and 28. I don't care what happens. Like I would have thought it hundred percent. Everyone's like, okay, this is ridiculous. This is terrible. Coach has got to go. I don't care if it's Rick Pitino. I don't care if it's Denny Crum. You can't go four and 28 at a place like Louisville. And we've doubled down. It's four and 28. And we're sitting here at eight and 18. And there are still some people who are like, yeah, it's fine. It, it's not fine. There's nothing fine about it. We'll talk about it after the break. Coaching search scuttle, the latest that I've heard, latest I've heard about Kenny Payne. All that coming your way here to start hour number two. It's the Mike Rutherford Show, 1450 961, the big X. 
Right, welcome back in. Hour number two here of the Monday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show. 1450 The Big X. Hope your weekend was fantastic. Text into the Thornton's tax line at 502-414-1450. We'll get back to you guys in just a second, but I promise this. So everyone wants to know, coaching Scuttle, what are you hearing? And I feel like I'm pretty good about sharing. When it's not just complete and utter nonsense, I throw out there at least what's what's being said behind closed doors or what my latest understanding of the situation is. And it's hilarious because in back-to-back texts almost this weekend, just got completely conflicting information from, <laughs> from two people that you know both know people. But the first piece of information that I think like I'm not the first to report it. I know it's been floating around a little bit, but I have heard this from multiple people, and I do think there's some belief in it. We've been talking about the financials here. There's all this debate about Louisville's financial situation. You know, they've got to keep Kenny Payne through the end of the season because they need that $2 million drop in the buyout. They don't have the money to pay a big-time head coach because they're still paying Tom Jurich and, and, and Bobby Petrino and whoever else. All that talk. There's just no real clarity on what Louisville's financial situation is. We had Eric Crawford in here on Tuesday, and he kind of has the same belief that I do, which is like, Louisville's not going to get outbid here. If you're worried about Ohio State now having an opening with, which by the way, they fired Chris Holman, they promptly beat Purdue. Duke better hope that we don't make a move before next Wednesday because cook it ugly for him at Cameron Indoor. But if you're worried about Ohio State being able to grab a coach that uh, you know you want because they've got better financials, I don't think that's a concern. And Crawford was like, yeah, they're gonna, they'll find a way to pony up the money they need to pony up to, to get someone's buyout if they really want a guy. And I think that that's the case. And the, the, the talk that's out there is that Louisville has found someone, won't say names, but he's someone that everybody knows who has agreed to pay the buyout for Kenny Payne. It's been out there. It's, it's floating around there for a week or so. I think it's, it sounds very legitimate. I think there's an understanding in place. But there was kind of a, this is part of sort of a, a deal that was made and maybe part of the reason why we did not wind up having the switch midseason that was supposed to happen or that one point in time was going to happen. So, hey, again, if true, very good news. I do wonder if it's not, if it's contingent on waiting until April 1st when the buyout goes from 8 mil to 6 mil or if it's like, hey, don't worry about the cost. Like, I've got this. We got We tried. I appreciate you trying. But this ain't working. Here's money to make the move. Let's go. No idea. But there's talk out there that the buyout is covered. Like a text later, after going back and forth, with again, multiple people said that. I wouldn't say it if it, if it hadn't been multiple people. I get this like text from people here, from, from someone saying, hearing about some of the trustees building support for year three for Kenny Payne. And that one person on the board of trustees has already just told Payne straight up, don't worry about it, you're going to be back for year three. So who the hell knows? I think some people want... I think there are definitely people in positions of power who want Kenny Payne here for year three. I think, and this is something that gets lost when when the first point's made, I think there are more people in positions of power at UofL who recognize that we cannot do a year three of Kenny Payne. And ultimately... That's why I think that logic will prevail 
and we will in 22, 23 days, however long it winds up being, be talking about an active coaching search and not just a theoretical coaching search like we've been doing for the last three months. Logic will prevail. And we'll have enough money for that to prevail as well. As far as like names out there, and this is the, the, the funnest part of the entire thing because it's so, who knows? But I've said this many times, the way the game works at this point is, I don't know who, what Josh Hurd is doing. I, I, I get very little traction there. What I hear is from people who are ingrained in the college basketball world, people that are connections that I made just from writing about college basketball nationally for a while, and some people who with, with local ties, who talk about what agents of what coaches are putting out feelers and saying like, hey, you do this thing, my guy, my guy wants to talk. And it's why you see names leaked. It's why you have the, 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 the Trilly Donovans and the Jeff Goodmans of the world leaking certain names that are candidates for the job. I mean, it's why you had Jerome Tang as, as a guy that people were talking about going into the season. Because guess what? He wants out of K-State. Doesn't like the administration. Doesn't have a great relationship there. So his agent's putting out feelers to everybody. It's why you hear, I mean, a couple weeks ago, Dusty May, he wants out of, of Florida Atlantic. Of course he does. It's FAU. But you know, the, the, the big scuttle last week, the big buzz was you had speaking of Charlie Donovan, on his Discord, which I didn't know until a texter sent it in. He's got the Discord, the paid membership site. He's telling people that, like Eric Musselman in Louisville, I think he used the phrase done deal, which I think is is ridiculous. You, you, no deal is done right now. Absolutely no deal is done right now. That's I, I can say that definitively. So any talk that this person or that person is going to be the head coach, done deal right now, is you, you can just toss that completely. It may wind up being Musselman, but it's certainly not done right now. But the latest talk from the basketball people is that the latest coach who's very, very intrigued, who who's, wants it known that he would be willing to talk, Alabama State Oats. And I kind of have been waiting for this one. It's when, I can't remember who it was. It was, it was back in like, maybe December, when things had gone terribly. It was either on, on this show or the podcast, and, and someone put it out there, and they were like, you don't have to base this off anything, but like, just, just guess. Just tell me. Who's the coach next year? Just guess. And I said, that, again, reiterate, no inside info. This is not me speaking from any point of inside knowledge or anything. I, guess was just Nate Oates. It just seemed to make some sense. I think that some of the other candidates out there are not going to take the Louisville job, Oates plays this fun style, which is such a contradiction of, of, of the style we've had with really the last two coaches. Uh, very modern basketball. A guy who can definitely energize the fan base. He'll win the press conference when he gets announced here. He'll do the media stuff. He'll, he'll I think, do it well. He'll get players quickly. And the, the dude's won wherever he's going. So, would make sense. He's also had a place in Alabama, which, you know, has the money to support basketball, but the fan base is is never going to be, it's never going to be even in the same stratosphere as football. And at some point in time, I'm sure you want to go to a place that emphasizes basketball more, or ideally a place that prioritizes basketball like Louisville does. So just on the surface, it makes sense. But there is now finally getting to be a little bit of chatter that like, hey, Naoch is going to be involved in this job search. And I've been wondering if that was going to happen because it was so quiet. Um, buyouts out there it's not small but it's not as big as some of the other guys that we're talking about 
So again, like it comes back to that conversation. If you have the financials, guys like like Nate Oates are in play, and maybe Louisville has the financials now. So that's the latest. That's the again, take it for what it's worth. We we had the Dusty May scuttle a few weeks ago. We had the Eric Musselman chatter last week. The candidate du jour or do whatever the word for week in French is is seems to be Nate Oates. So who knows? We'll find out uh, coming here in a few weeks. But it does feel more and more like this show is going to be more coaching search radio and not will KP get a third year radio because we seem to be destined for a 20-loss season for the second straight time. 502-414-1450, Thornton's text line. We'll get to you guys. You guys are lighting it up. We appreciate it. Texture says, Olive Garden is top-notch and you can't tell me anything else. What are your thoughts on the Star Wars prequel trilogy? And what are your most memorable Waffle House stories? I refuse to talk about the cards. I enjoy the Olive Garden. I haven't been. One of my first dates with my wife was like a, we went with like a, a couple other couples to dinner. We saw a terrible movie. I can't remember what it was. It was that movie. Shia LaBeouf was like flying planes. Eagle Eye. It's terrible. It was awful. And uh, <laughs> if you liked Eagle Eye, my apologies. And what's Olive Garden? Olive Garden was delightful. I enjoyed Olive Garden. Uh, Waffle House. I don't know if I can share the my, my most memorable Waffle House yeah, story. That's what I was kind of. I, I mean, no, I think that might just have to stay at Waffle House. I don't I, know if those are safe for the airways here. I know exactly what it is, and I I I can't tell it on the air. Like I I I've had several other. I mean, you several like classic, just very drunk and like you know people making noise and, and doing stuff. But there's one in particular that I I know I just cannot tell. On the radio, but Waffle House, Waffle House is fantastic. I, another place that I haven't been in way too way too long. Trey, you should be living at Waffle House right now. You're a freshman in college. I kind of do, yeah. That's a boy. That's, that's the way. Not too far from the house, so we we eat it pretty often, actually. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do. Um, so going back to the, the texture now wants me to update since we've talked about the coaching search stuff. Give me your legitimate top three. I I, I don't. I mean, I hate doing this because I don't know who's in play and who's not in play. Um, in some order. I mean. I still would say if we're talking about potentially realistic candidates, I think Scott Drew, if you can get him, should be number one. If you can get him. You got to make him say no at least. Got to make him say no. Got to make him say no. Got to make him say no. That's the way it goes. Uh, But I I think he, if he's not on your list, I don't know what what, what you're doing. I would have Nato's probably too. I I think Nato's would really win here at a high level. I really do. I know he has some off-the-court issues with the way that things were handled at Alabama last year. But I think the style, I think the, he's bold, he's brash, he brings a swagger back to Louisville that we have not, just simply have not had the last four or five years. And I think there are concerns about that style being able to translate into big-time NCAA tournament success, for sure. That's like a down-the-line worry that I think, you know, I'd love to have that worry three or four years from now. you got to get to that point first. I mean, he got Alabama to being the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament last year. I know they they flamed out in the Sweet 16, but he got Alabama to be the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament last year. I think that it speaks for itself. He's going to shoot a ton of threes, make a ton of layups. You know, whether or not that's a style that can win six games in three weeks and win a national title, we'll find out. But again, I think those are our bridges you cross on the line. If you realize, if you think in seven or eight years, hey, we've been in, we've been a one seed a couple of times and we haven't made it to a Final Four, you know, then you start talking about that move. But let's get 
let's get back to having those types of conversations and not, hey, is, is eight wins a good enough season for you? Uh, third, again, I don't, I, don't, I don't know who the realistic candidates are. I guess I'd put Osselberger. I, I really like TJ Osselberger. I like the texter. I'm not sure he's going to leave Ames. His best friend is the AD. He met his wife there. They're both, you know, she's from that area. Like, he kind of has it, he's got it going right now. And he's got a fan base that's going to be very appreciative if you're earning two seeds, three seeds at, at Iowa State. And that's what he's on the path to do right now. He's doing a hell of a job. But if you could get him, God knows what he's doing for sure. Sorry for the sniffing and the, the coughing. I'm doing the best I can. <coughs> As I say that, Texter says, Mike, had flu B a couple of months ago. Feels like death. Glad your family's on the mend. 23 days to go, hopefully, until the era of good feelings begins. I hope you're right. I still think I'm, I will back down from the we're going to win like six, seven games in conference play because I'm not sure that's going to happen right now with the injuries. I don't know when Sky Clark's going to come back. They're being pretty mum with that. I, I mean, Tyler Johnson was only out for uh, concussion like symptoms. I don't. I would imagine he'll be back on Wednesday. If Tyler Johnson plays on Wednesday against Notre Dame, that's a game that you can win, for sure. Uh, it, it's a game where you're going to be a favorite, at least with the, with the opening line. Ken Palm has you projected to win that game by two. Now, Notre Dame has won two in a row. They beat Virginia Tech by eight, um, and they beat Georgia Tech last week by, by three. But both those games have come at, at home. I don't know if they can come into your place and, and and I say that of course they can come to your place and beat you. They are a stingy defensive team. They Michael Shrewsbury is a good coach. They're going to get better. He does, he's got a terrible roster right now. They their talent level compared to our talent level is apples and oranges. We are a, a vastly superior team when it comes to just talent alone. But they will defend fifty times better than we defend because they've got a better coach, and they play harder. They do. They know what they're doing defensively. They're number 40 in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency. If they could score at all, they'd probably be close to 500 right now, with, even with that roster. They're, they're 298th in adjusted offensive efficiency. So they will come in here. They will make us work for it. And if we play just crap defense again, like we typically do, and they frustrated us, uh, us enough on offense, then we could absolutely lose to them. No question about it. So I'm not sure where we're going to get as far as a win total in the conference because you're not beating Duke on the road. And then you have Syracuse, VT, and Boston College, three games that should be winnable at home. But if you're not healthy enough to, to, to field like a even like 65% full roster, you probably aren't winning any of them. So I, I think maybe we get two more games, five and 15. But... We're probably finishing last in the conference, or at least tied for last. If we lose to Notre Dame on on Wednesday, it's kind of done. Like we've got to. They're a, a game ahead of us now in the standings. We've got Georgia Tech, who we will we've already beaten, and we don't play again. So, which is also what one game ahead of us in the standings. So, if we don't beat Notre Dame, I kind of feel like we're going to finish dead last by ourselves, which is embarrassing. But I'm still sticking. I'm sticking with my prediction that we're going to win a game in the conference tournament. The season, it's it's too Kenny Payne for it not to happen. We're going to get Sky Clark back at some point before the conference tournament. We're going to have Ty Lar back. 
we play the way that we were a few weeks ago, which is, you know, still bad, but better. And we're going to beat somebody in the first round of the, NCAA, of the ACC tournament because everyone's going to do this thing, whether we're the, the 14 or the 15 seed, where they wake up on the morning of that Tuesday and they're like, the sun's a little brighter. Today's the last day of the KP era and they're going to have like last day KP parties and, you know, parades through the streets and stuff. And he's going to go out there and he's going to win the game because he's going to make this as painful and as extended as it possibly can be. I stand by that prediction. We're winning at least a game in the conference tournament. He won't, he's never going to let us just, uh, just end this the way that we want to end it. Texter says, um, getting out coached by Anthony Grant is like losing a game of where's Waldo to a blind man. Don't, don't, don't worry about Anthony Grant right now. Anthony Grant's, Anthony Grant's doing a hell of a job. I mean, he's got, he had Dayton poised to be a one seed a few years ago before the COVID canceled the, the, the NCAA tournament. He's got Dayton right there on the precipice of being a top four seed this year. 21-4, 11-2. Don't speak ill will of Anthony Grant. He knows what he's doing. Texas is Mike. I speak on behalf of all listeners by expressing sincere disappointment in you for no radio show last week or a CC podcast in three weeks. Content for U of L fans should take precedent over your family and your health. I know, I'm just too selfish to make to let that happen. I guess uh, we will have because again now we we leave for Disney on Thursday, so we're out Thursday, Friday, and then Monday, Tuesday of next week. We'll be back on Wednesday, which it, you know, it lines up thankfully with the Louisville basketball being off. Cards have a game on Wednesday against Notre Dame, and then not another game until next Wednesday against Duke. So I'll be back in time for that. Get you ready for the Notre Dame game and then come back and, and we're talking about the Duke game. But I do apologize for that and the lack of the podcast. We have three weeks ago, something was going on with Danny's family. We couldn't get it done. And then the last two weeks have been my family just overcome by, by flu hell. But we're going to get a podcast out either tomorrow or Wednesday before we leave for Disney to make sure that that happens. So, yeah. Sincere apologies. But you're right. My health comes second. Texture says Kenny is 12 and 46 as a head coach, including 30 double digit losses in less than two years. He's going to get an $8 million bonus. He has seven November home losses and one road win in two years against the weakest schedule that we could assemble. He will get an $8 million bonus. He lied to the media and the fans about Karan Davis and used UofL to cover it up. He'll get an $8 million bonus. He negatively recruited against UofL. I, I see where this is going. There's a lot of these. This is a long text. But yes, he uh, he's done a lot of things wrong, and he still is going to get an $8 million bonus for it. It's why I, I always come back to, and I know that money's not everything, but when people are, are talking about they feel so bad for Kenny, and he's such a good guy, and take his, I, I, I'm sure he's a good guy. I don't know him personally. Everyone I do, do that, that does know him says the same thing great guy but it's hard for me to feel overly sad about the situation when he's gonna be set for life his kids like zan's kids are set for life he's fine and it's not just from the uofl this man's been making a ton of money for a long time and guess what when he gets fired from uofl it's not like He's going to be untouchable. It's not like like he's going to get a great job because for as bad as he has been as a head coach, he still has a lengthy track record for being a fantastic number two or a fantastic player guy. 
So whether it's in the NBA, back at Kentucky, or back with another power program, probably at a Nike school, like he's going to get a great job as an assistant somewhere. He's going to be very well paid, and he's going to have an extra, what, double-digit million-dollar bonus in his pocket from his time at UofL. He's going to be fine. And, and honestly, he's probably going to be happier wherever his next gig is. I don't think this has been fun for Kenny Payne. I don't think he's enjoyed this. He's let us know plenty of times that he didn't really want to take the job. They had to be talked into it. And I think that the entire process of being the guy who answers the questions, sometimes, and the guy who's, you know, whose name is attached to the wins and the losses, I, I don't think he's enjoyed any of it. Kenny's gonna be, Kenny will be happier and richer when this whole thing's over. We can't say the same for ourselves. It's why I think you have, as a fan, while you want to do the, the humane thing and be like, you know, this is a human being with a family and you know, he's a great guy. We got, he's a, he's a played here, won a national title, all that stuff. Got to let him see this, this thing out. Got to give him many years. You got to be a little bit selfish here as a fan because Kenny Payne's going to be fine. And all that we're going to get out of this, we're not going to get $8 million out of this. All we have is more time taken away from our, our, our life as sports fans. Like we've, you know, I think about like, you know, look at the, like Trey and Patrick over there. Guys who, you know, in, in their formative years as sports fans, they've not experienced a whole lot of good with this program. If you are, if, if you're Trey right now and you're, you're 20 years old, or if you, I don't know, Trey, what are you doing? Are you 19 or 20? I just turned 20. Happy birthday. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> when, when was it? Uh, the 13th. Happy birthday. Happy I late birthday. I apologize you. for not knowing. No, it's all good. If you're Trey and you're 20, the last time that you saw UofL win an NCAA tournament game, you were 13 years old. It's a different lifetime. You're going from like 6th, 7th grade to freshman in college. Like that's a lifetime with just no fun memories. And I believe the last time I watched us even play in a tournament game, I was a freshman in high school. So I'm a freshman in college now, and the last time I watched us even play in a tournament game was my freshman year. It's insane. School. And I kind of spent an extra year in high school, so that is even worse. <laughs> it makes it even makes it worse. worse. Makes it makes it worse. Uh, it's yeah. It, it's like this guy. Like all we've done is lost time as fans, and I hate it. I mean, I, I I'm thankful honestly that my kids are like this young that they're not going to remember any of this, and, and hopefully we'll be back and in the groove by the time they're in those years and they're starting to really get it, and wanting to get attached to Cardinal sports and all this stuff. But I mean, I, I think about. I mean, I was you know. The last time we were like good at basketball, the COVID year, not included, you know, it was living a completely different. Like we didn't have kids. We weren't even, like Mary wasn't even pregnant. Like it was just it was an entirely different time in my life. Like all of like regardless of what you're doing right now, your life was completely different. The last time that Louisville won an NCAA tournament game, and hell, the last time we made it to the second weekend of the tournament, it was 2015. Like even more different. All we've done is just had our time wasted, and it's it's time to to get back. This is you're having an entire generation that just doesn't know what it's like to be a Louisville men's basketball fan. That doesn't know what it's supposed to feel like this time of the year, where it's starting to get a little bit warmer out. The sun's back. It's not pitch black at six o'clock at night. It's you know 
college, Super Bowls is over. The eyes of the sports world are now starting to focus on college basketball a little bit. Catch me up. Who's good? Uh, what teams are going to be one seeds? Who are they going to be the Cinderellas? Like all that stuff. Like this is the best time of the year to be a college basketball centric person. And this is the most college basketball centric place in America. And we haven't even been a remote part of it outside of being a punchline for the last five years since COVID happened. It's, it's unthinkable and it has to change. And it's why I'm saying like, Kenny's going to be fine. Like we have to think about ourselves a little bit. We got to do what's best for getting us back into the groove here and getting this program back to where this is fun for us. Let's take a break. More from you guys on the Thornton's text line after this. 502-414-1450. Share those thoughts. It's a reaction Monday here on the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 and 961. The Big X. Welcome back in President's Day edition of the Mike Rutherford Show. Here in 1459, it's one of the Big X. I assume there was a Big X President's party that we just weren't invited to because uh, nobody else is here. So, what are you going to do? Who's your favorite president, Trey? Oh, I don't even, I have no idea. Who's yours? Give me some inspiration. Uh, James K. Polk. That's B- an interesting pick. Big Polk guy. Big Polk guy? Why? Big Polk guy. I just enjoy him. Young Hickory. Napoleon of the Stump. Shout out to They Might Be Giants. Shout out. Uh, there was a, his president said, there was a poll done, a recent survey. I don't know how you become a presidential expert, but a panel of presidential experts, which included an equal number of Democrats and Republicans or self-described Democrats and Republicans, ranked every president from one to 45. Who do you think was number one? Greatest president of all time. Oh, I, I'm so bad at this. I have no idea who would be even. I mean, it's gotta be one or two guys, right? You, you think you're thinking Washington or Lincoln. You should be thinking Washington or Lincoln. You're not thinking anything. No, I, yeah, Washington. I guess Washington. Would Incorrect. Be, yeah. Abraham Lincoln, for I think the seventh straight time, was ranked as America's greatest president. Uh, he was near unanimous effort. Republicans love him. Democrats love him. He was number one. Uh, last on the list. Chris the Plumber, cover your ears. Donald Trump, dead last on the list of one to 45 uh, there was a little bit of partisan ranking, as you might expect, but still everyone kind of on the same page. Uh, Trump was ranked dead last by Democrats. Uh, he was ranked 41st by Republicans. The weird thing, though, I saw is Democrats had Bill Clinton at an average of like number 13, and Republicans had him at an average of number 10. So Republicans bigger on, on Bill than Democrats were. Joe Biden, if you're wondering, is number 14 on the list. Barack Obama. Number seven on the list. Eight spots higher than he was the last time these experts were polled. There you go. Lincoln, still number one. Don't know what he's going to do in the offseason to be knocked off, but he's your greatest president. Happy President's Day to you. I hope you had the day off. If you didn't and you're spending time with us, we appreciate it. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. 
We're taking texts from you guys. We're reacting to the weekend that was in the world of sports, namely with the U of L men's basketball program. If you got thoughts on other stuff, we can talk about whatever. We're good to go. But you guys seem to be pretty singularly focused, which is fine. Texter says, do you recall any other coach for any level waiting as long as Payne did after he got hired to actually start doing the job? Uh, I mean, it was... There were red flags before he even got hired. There were certainly red flags after he got hired. And one of them was, it, it, it seemed like stuff moved at a glacial pace when it came to like the standard, this is what you do when you get hired. And some of it could be explained away as like he had never done this before. But at some point, like you've been on basketball staffs for a long time. Like you know what you need. And it did take a long time for meetings with players and sometimes meetings with players didn't even happen. I, I mean, there were, there were walk-ons who wanted to stay here and never talked to Kenny Payne. And so they're like, okay, I guess we're off the team. Like stuff like that. I mean, we didn't have a strength coach for the first six months. He had the job. We used the Jeff Walls's. It's, it, it, it took a while to get things going. And I think that's, Part of the, the the explanation for being four and twenty eight in your first year. Texture says, uh, "Mike is ranting. I, I I did not rant. I've never ranted. I will not rant. Did not rant today. Did not rant yesterday. Will not rant tomorrow. Never ranted." Texture said, "I heard a story that Brian Brom is colorblind, but kept it a secret during his playing career because he was concerned that it would affect his college and NFL recruitment or career. Is that true?" Uh, if Brian's colorblind, he's never told me. I, I've, I've never heard that. No, that'd be news to me as well. Yeah, I, I was going to say. I don't know how that could be a thing. <laughs> I don't think, I mean, I would have, uh, I feel like it would have come up at some point. And I've known him since uh, we were very young. But maybe, maybe? I, I don't I don't think so. Uh, Texture says, the more I hear the KRC Coach Cal commercial, the more I become certain that it's either an intricately edited troll job or Cal is a robot. Why does he speak like that? Has it just been, has it been playing on our show more recently? I mean, it's been around. Like, that interview is from like two summers ago. So I don't I don't know if people are, are bringing it up more because they're hearing it more or what's going on or if it's just standing out more. But he does sound weird in the interview. But it's a good clip for them. They got John Calipari on the show. It's talking to him. Um, yeah. I don't know. Texture says, is Papa John paying KP's buyout? And if so, do we rename the yum? Papa John is not paying KP's buyout. Papa John, I don't think, has any uh, anything left to do with UofL athletics. I think he still is involved tangentially in some some stuff at UofL, but he doesn't do anything with UofL sports. Would you support that? Would I, KP, KP's buyout? Um, God, that's a good question. Like how how much am I willing to put myself in the weeds here? <sighs> Probably. I pro I would take John Calipari or John Schnatter's blood money at this point. No, I, th I would too. I would too. <laughs> yeah, I, get, back, get back in good graces with the university, maybe. Whatever. Support it. I mean, I, I'm fine with Papa John being gone, but if he's going to help us out financially at a significant level, then then yeah. We were watching. Are you, are you familiar with Welcome to Wrexham? No, I am not. It's the so Rob uh, Rob McElhaney, who's from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and Ryan Reynolds. They're like really good friends, and they bought this this fifth tier soccer team in Wales 
and they put all this money into it, and like they, you know, it, it's a really cool series. The, the, the documentary like just follows them, everything they've done to help out the city, help out this the this soccer franchise that had fallen down. It's like they had at one point been like one of the in one of England's top leagues. Now they're barely playing professional soccer, really, uh, in, in the fifth tier. And so they put all this money in. They sign all these good players. They reinvigorate the fan base. And and I'm watching it. And like it, it's it's a really good show. Even if you're not crazy about soccer or sports in general, you'll like it. But Mary's like, can we get them to do this for Louisville basketball? She was like, can we just get like a celebrity? I was like, it's not exactly the same situation, but I see, I, I see what you're saying. We could use a a Ryan Reynolds out there. I mean, Jennifer Lawrence, come in here. I know your your, your family loves the program. I know you're not crazy about sports, but Help us out. The city's the city's a sadder place when Louisville men's basketball is not at all nationally relevant. We need a lift right now. And if you're a celebrity with a lot of money and you want to be a hero here, it's time to step up. Get us some NIL. Get us a good coach. Texas says, how unclutch was it for Robert De Niro to let Wayne Grow escape in heat? Also, how unclutch was it to name De Niro's character Neil? De Niro should never be named Neil. I don't know if I can name a less Neil person than Robert De Niro. You should always have a name that reflects who he is. And Neil is is just not that. I'm trying to think of what... <laughs> um, has he been... Has, has he had a weird name before? In a movie? Who is he in, in, uh, in, in Taxi Driver? He had a weird name in that too. I wish I could help you on this. One. I know. I'm sorry. Is it uh, t- Tyler Travis? Travis. He's he, but he, he kind of he made himself a Travis. There, Travis has a mohawk, and and he gave himself a, a mohawk. So I'm better with that. He's not a Neil. Not a Neil at all. Texas says Kelvin Sampson guy here. Hey, Kelvin Sampson guy. It's Kelvin Sampson done deal. Glad you're feeling better. I wish it was true. Yeah, I mean, Samson's a guy, when I was talking about the top three, if Samson's available, if he's a realistic option, he's, I mean, hell, he's probably number one. I know he's old. I don't care. Give me five, six, seven years of Kelvin Sampson. Get us back on track, and then we can hire somebody else who's really good. But are you seeing what Kelvin Sampson's doing at Houston? It doesn't matter who they have on that rock. Like, he just reloads every single year because they're so good on defense. I mean, they took Texas to the absolute woodshed over the weekend. Now, they're going to have some... You know, the, the, the the top 16 seed reveal came out on Saturday. The selection committee does. And like they're the number three overall seed right now behind Purdue and, and UConn. And maybe they're, maybe they're two now with Purdue losing on Sunday. But Houston's going to take a few losses here over the next few weeks. That's You can write that down. That's a prediction. They play Iowa State tonight at home. They'll probably win that game as, as much as I great things of Iowa State. If that game's in Hilton, I don't think they're winning it. They, they've already lost in Hilton. But they're, they'll probably beat them at home. Does Iowa State cover? What's the spread? Uh, eight and a half, nine. Nine. kind of think Iowa State covers. I, 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 I'm thinking about putting that one on the slip tonight, Mike. I really am. I would lean towards side. Iowa State's been rock solid for a long time. There's, there's nothing in their recent play that indicates that they're going to lose. Their only loss since January 16th is a two-point road loss to Baylor. And they've been good away from home. Beat a good TCU team on the road. Beat Texas away from home. Beat Cincinnati by nine away from home. And I mean, they don't lose at home. Like they're they're fantastic at home. I, I bet they keep that 
within nine points. That'd be my guess tonight. But I think Houston will win. But after that, I mean, they play at Baylor. They still got to go to Oklahoma. They've got to go to UCF, which has become a dangerous place for teams to play. And then they host Kansas to end the regular season. Like, there's probably a couple losses in that stretch, if I had to guess. But there's a very strong chance they're going to be one of those four number one seeds. And he just, I mean, he loses stars every year. They lost, uh, you know, Marcus Sasser from last year. He loses an All-American every single year and just finds another one. Jamal Shedd's been unreal for them this year. Probably going to be a second, third-team All-American. LJ Cryer's been great for them. Like, they just, it's because they're great at defense every single year. It's not a fluke when these coaches are doing this. They've got a system that works, and they get players that fit that system. It's a simple thing to say. It's a really difficult thing to execute, but the greatest coaches in college basketball are going to do it year after year after year, and Samson's one of those guys. I'm not sure that they're going to win a national title this year because I don't think they're on Connecticut's level. I think they they might be prone to getting beat by somebody in like a regional final, but by God, it's a Houston, for God's sake. They've done nothing since the 80s up until the last uh, six years. We saw how bad those Houston teams were back in the Conference USA. Tom Penders throwing clipboards and having great hair. It was all they had going for them. They were terrible. Texture says, Bama fans would lose their minds if we took oats. It would be hilarious to flex some muscle. I say this with all due respect to Crimson Tide Nation. Which is how you know I'm going to say something that gives no respect to Crimson Tide Nation. But I say this with all due respect to Crimson Tide Nation. If we want to come take your coach, we're going to come take your coach. I'm not saying that about every program. I And I think there are some unique situations out there where, like, I, you know, we are clearly light years ahead of Iowa State all time as a program. But I can't say definitively we can come in there and take T.J. Otzelberger. He's an Ames guy. I think that he's, if we really wanted T.J. Otzelberger, there's a chance that he may say, I like what I've got here. Love it here. AD is my best friend. Staying for a long time. But if we want Nate Oates that bad, we can come down there and we can get Nate Oates. I don't think Alabama fans even care that much. They've adopted basketball as like a fun thing to do during the offseason. But if they lose Nate Oates, they'll... They'll get somebody else good. They've got money. They don't have the fan support that you know, a lot of the biggest basketball programs in college hoops have, but they've, they've got the money. they got SEC money. And a lot of these teams are doing the same thing. They're hiring great coaches, great young coaches. They'll be okay. But if we want NATOs, we can have NATOs. <clears throat> I like that a texter just texted in and said, texter says can't read that. Not something that I couldn't read, but actually wrote out. Texture says, can't read that. There it is. Texture says, I would love to have Nate Oates on the sideline. Is the person paying the buyout a former player by chance? Can neither confirm nor deny those reports. Texas Liam Cohen blocked me, and I didn't even add him in anything, so apparently he's just searching his own name on Twitter. That's a KRC text. I'm so sorry that happened to you. That's uh that, that that's rough. Trey, have you ever been blocked by anybody on social media that's been like a celebrity? Or someone that just hurt your feelings? Oh, Trey's gone. What'd you say? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to call you. Have you ever been blocked by anybody on social media? Uh yeah, I have. Yeah. Anybody like famous? No, I I, I don't know. Just people that, you know, don't like you? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Cuz this person was saying they've been blocked by Liam Cohen. 
It reminds me of when I got blocked by Bobby Petrino. Did Roush did Roush tweet something today that he got blocked by? Is it him? Surely he didn't text that, but did he tweet that or? Uh, I, somebody maybe was responding to that, listening to the KRC podcast because they're saying that basically Liam Cohen's a Twitter name searcher, and he's like never interacted with Liam Cohen, but Cohen has blocked him. So I don't know if Roush got blocked by Liam. Co- oh, he is. He is. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he he's, he's blocked by yeah. by Liam Cohen. He's just. Liam, Liam Cohen's just blocking all. He's blocking all the negativity out. Yeah. He's just. Hey, I'm not blocked by Liam Cohen. Neither am I. Uh, when I, when I got blocked by Bobby Petrino, that was. What'd you do, Mike? I didn't do anything. What'd you do? Keith Wynn wrote a like semi-critical piece about him on Card Chronicle when 2017's defense was going so poorly, and I guess because I'm tied to Keith, like he blocked both of us. And it, it's not even him. Like, Bobby had no control over social media. Like, we would interview Bobby Petrino every single week. I would see him every single week at his radio show. And he always, like, loved coming over and talking to me and doing all that stuff. So, he, I think he interacted with me having no no idea that I was blocked on his social media. It was his uh, kind of stooge, Andy Miller, or Wagner, who was uh, doing all that stuff. Is he the bigger guy? Yes. Yeah. 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 And he would, yeah, screw that guy. every time we were in the same place, he would kind of, like, walk away and act like he was getting a phone call. I was like, dude. Come on. Come on, man. Be a man about it. But yeah, that, I mean, I've been blocked by Yuval player. I mean, I'm blocked by Scott, Sky Clark right now, which is fine. What'd you uh, do to Sky Clark? I mean, I, I, I think the game that he blocked me after, I, the only time I referenced him was, I was like, I don't like the Sky Clark versus, it was some big man, like Khalil Ware matchup in the post. Like, he got matched up against like a seven-footer and like got scored. It was like just like a joke. Like, hey, like that's not going to work out well. Having our point guard guard their, their big man in the post one-on-one, it's not going to work out well. And I guess he was upset about that. But again, like I, I don't fault any play. If I'm a player, I'm not following people like me at all. Like I, I'm making sure that like I'm not listening to that. I'm not looking at what anybody's saying. Like I'm just ignoring all that noise. So I don't, I don't like I don't think any less of Sky Clark or anybody. But the coaches, come on. Like when, when coaches are doing that stuff, it's like you you're paid to kind of handle this a little bit. And you surely have better things to worry about. You should surely, right? I mean, like you would think. You would think. You would think. Michael Barbaro from the New York Times blocked me from just the Daily Podcast. I deserved that one though. He made it. He made a bad joke. You're mean to him. I was mean to him. You're mean. Yeah. I, it was one of those where I was like, I know it's good, but it was. He made he made a terrible reference about the South, and I was like, come on, man. I'm, I'm gonna stick up for the South a little bit here. Can't just paint everybody with the same brush here. Texture says if the KP buyout is covered by someone, then the Oats buyout should be uh, able to be a non-issue. Hashtag motorboat for oats. Hashtag Mick is the pick. Oh, hashtag motorboat for oats over Mick is the pick. Look, I mean, we got to. We have not talked about Mick Cronin a lot on the show because UCLA, I mean, there's not that much to say. We, we talked about him when he was having his, his kind of like little meltdown and UCLA was so bad. It, it warrants a mention that Mick Cronin has brought UCLA back from the depths of absolute basketball. They're still not very good. And they're still not going to make the NCAA tournament. But they lost at the buzzer last night against Utah. And it snapped a, what, seven-game winning streak for them? Like, since mid-January, I mean, they were 6-10. and 10. And the la- you know, they lost to Utah at the buzzer last night. They lost to Utah on January 11th, 90-44. to 44. It dropped them to 6-10 and 10 overall and 1-4 in the Pac-12. And since then, you know, they're now 14-12. and 12. They're nine and six in the Pac-12. They have, you know, they've beaten a couple of the better teams in that league. They beat Oregon. They beat Stanford. They beat Colorado. Um, like he's done a 
really good job with a really bad roster. Now, part of the, again, he's the head coach. The roster falls on him. They they did lose their top assistant to the Raptors in the offseason, who was kind of their recruiting guy. And I don't think Mick knew what to do. Like they lost a, a ton from last year's team. They, Jaime Hawkes was always going to go pro. Tiger Campbell was always going to go pro. They had one COVID year left, but you weren't going to talk those guys in, into coming back. And you know, Dem Bone is really the only guy they brought back from last year's team of any consequence. And so they went out, they gambled, they took a bunch of foreign guys who they were hoping a lot of guys with potential who could get better as the season went on. And at the beginning, it just did not work at all. And now, I mean, he's playing a ton of freshmen and a ton of guys that have never played college basketball before. And they're playing good basketball now after saying all those terrible things about them and how bad they were. It has gotten that team back to a position where, like, you know, they, they can make a run in the Pac-12 tournament. I don't think they can beat in Arizona, but they could they can make a run. He's done a good coaching job. And while Mick is not my top pick, sorry, bring my home guy, people acting like Mick Cronin can't coach at all is... It's ridiculous. It's insane. It's ridiculous. It's crazy to me. Like, like the guy, he, he's a hell of a coach. He knows what he's doing. I, I mean, he's done... They would have, I think, been the maybe the only team that could have beaten UConn last year if they hadn't have the had the injuries that they did. If they don't lose um, Jalen Clark, who was the defensive player of the year in college basketball at the very end of the season, Bona got hurt in the middle of the tournament. Um, Amari Bailey was dinged up. Like they dealt with a ton of injuries last year that tanked any shot they had of, of winning a national title, and they still, you know, damn near beat Gonzaga in the Elite Eight in the Sweet Sixteen and had a chance to to play UCLA. Not UCLA, a chance to play UConn in that Elite Eight to go to the Final Four. Like he did a remarkable job with that team last year. And then he went to the Final Four in in 21 as an 11 seed. Um, had them in the Sweet 16 as a four seed, ran into a really hot North Carolina team. Like he's done a really good job out there. And I get the lack of tournament success at Cincinnati, but he had the tournament every single year. To act like he just doesn't know what he's doing at all, I think is is absurd. If you just don't, if you don't like the personality, I can listen to that. I can listen to like I don't like the the angriness, the you know, just he's always crotchety, he's always kind of yelling, he's antics on the sidelines. If if that's what you're what you're upset about, then okay. But folks who are like Mick Cronin sucks at coaching, I could not disagree more. Like the dude can coach; he'd win here again. Not my first pick, but he would win here. <laughs> Sorry, I keep sniffing at the mic. I'm so sorry. Texture says, uh, TJ Otzelberger's wife is a three-time All-Big 12 player for Iowa State. He also has like a $20 million buyout. If he leaves early, he owes his entire remaining salary through 2029 to ISU. If they fire him, they also will owe the full salary. Yeah, it's it's tough to get TJ. You're probably not, not getting TJ, but would love it. Texas, what's the worst movie you've ever watched on a date? I mean, Eagle Eye may be the worst movie I've ever seen on a date. It was pretty bad. I'm trying to think. I feel like... Because, like, first date... I've done, like, one first date maybe in a movie. And it was fine. It was funny. It was a 21 Jump Street. Great movie. Yeah. She laughed, which made me... I was like, okay, this maybe could work. Um, but I feel like with every other date, it's been somebody that I've kind of like, you know, I've been dating for a while and I know what they like. And we kind of, we, we agree to go to the movie together. So it's not, you know, I'm not getting 
Uh, I, I take it back. I've told this story before. It's the, the answer is probably Twilight. When, so I didn't know anything about Twilight, Trey. And Mary and I had been dating for like probably a month. This is the fall of 2008. And we went to see with another couple that, that she, she lived with, my buddy uh, Chris and his now wife. And her, it was Mary's best friend. Worked out real well. Like we went and saw, I can't remember the name of the movie. It's the movie where Angelina Jolie like loses her child. And they, they find the kid and they bring it back to her. And she, very, she realizes that it's not her, her, her real child. It was, it was a fine movie. It was okay. We saw the theaters. And, and we're, as we're leaving, we see these like posters about how Twilight is opening that night at midnight. And Mary is like, has like read the series and she's going nuts about it. She's like, oh my God, I can't believe I, I can't believe I didn't know like all this stuff. Like I'm all about this. I love it. And she'd given Ashley the books and she'd read it. And so they're like, we need to come back. And this is classic. Like, you know, we're a year and a half out of college. We all have jobs. We're like, you know, not real jobs. What are we really doing here? So we can afford to go to like a movie at midnight on a Thursday. And so we come back into the theater to see Twilight on opening night at midnight. And I didn't know anything about like Twilight culture. We walk in, I'm wearing, I mean, probably like jeans and like a pullover. So is my buddy. And like everyone there is dressed up. Like you've got people in vampire outfits. You've got people in witch costumes. Like you've got like everybody there is just, it, the, the place is buzzing. And we sit down and the first time that uh, it was Ryan Pattinson, who's the, Edward, Edward was the team Edward and team. Yep, yep. Edward is his name, yeah. Yeah, the first time that he pops up on screen, like the entire place just screams, just girls screaming and going. Like I had no idea what I was getting into. I was not ready for it all. But that's how I knew that it was, uh, it was, it was true love. <laughs> that's how I knew that this relationship was going to go the distance. <laughs> it was bad. What's the worst movie you've ever seen on a date, Trey? Um, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Maybe have you ever seen Life of Pi? I've seen Life of Pi. I saw that at the theaters. Yeah, so did I. I, I that movie sucked to me. I was not a fan at all. You know, you weren't on the right drugs. I think. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. That was yeah. It was the, It's about the colors and and, <laughs> and all of that. I didn't hate Life of Pi. I I, I kind of liked it, but it wasn't wasn't my favorite movie. I think I walked out actually. I, really? I don't. Think, I I did not enjoy that movie at all. You left yeah. the date there. Yeah. Well, I think we went together, but yeah, it was not fun. <laughs> Uh, Eagle Eye, I think, probably maybe worse than Twilight. Twilight was just not my cup of tea. It was wasn't wasn't the worst thing that I've ever seen. It was like the first one too, where they didn't have any of the the money to bankroll it. So that was that was pretty bad. Eagle Eye did not enjoy. Next text says I enjoyed Eagle Eye. I wasn't a fan. Texas, give me your legitimate. Oh wait, we have, we don't have time for this. We'll, we'll, we'll I'll get to your Star Wars question after the break. Okay, uh, we'll take a break when we come back. Five o'clock hour is up next. We'll talk a little bit about Rick Pitino's meltdown yesterday. Some more Louisville basketball thoughts. And then, of course, the Thornton's text line with you guys at 502-414-1450. Keep it locked here. One hour left here the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 The Big X.
Hey, welcome back in. Five o'clock hour here of the Mike Rutherford Show. You made it to the end of your Monday. Congratulations to you. Hope you're headed home. If you're still at work, sorry. Regardless of what you're doing, appreciate you spending some time with us here on your drive. It is the uh, the, the Mike Rutherford Show, 1450-961, the Big X. We've been talking a lot about Cardinal basketball, reacting to the weekend that was in the world of Louisville sports. It was not an ideal weekend. Cards go down in both men's and women's basketball, Louisville baseball, off to an 0-2 start, and then having the third game canceled by weather, having to come back home. They will take on Xavier in their home opener on Wednesday. Make it out to Jim Patterson Stadium if you can. And if you can't, they got three games this weekend. Uh, somebody who had maybe a, a worse weekend than all of us. Our old friend Rick Patino at St. John's. And look, hand up on this one. I was wrong. At least it looks like I'm going to be wrong. I, I, I thought St. John's, with the roster that he was able to kind of assemble at the last second, a lot of transfer portal guys, only one real key hold, holdover for them for last year. I, I thought he got enough good players out of the portal that you know, they'd be top half of the conference in the Big East, and I think I said they would at least flirt with the NCAA tournament berth. And they still, I guess, have a chance to do that. But their their hopes of crashing the field of 68 in Patino's first season there took a gigantic hit yesterday. They were up 19 in the first half against Seton Hall, led by double figures for most of the game, and then just completely unraveled late in the second half and got beat. And that's a Seton Hall team who's you know, very much on the bubble right now as well. I think Lenardi has them in as a, an 11 seed after that win last night. But St. John's now, after a pretty promising start, they've lost 8 of 10. They're third to last in the Big East right now. Now, third to last. There's a gigantic drop-off between the third worst team in the Big East and, every, and, and Georgetown and DePaul, because Georgetown and DePaul are terrible. But St. John's 14-12 and 12 overall, 6-9 and nine in the Big East. And the rest of their schedule, they've got wins coming up because they've got three of their last five games are against either Georgetown or DePaul. they got Georgetown this weekend. Um, they play Creighton, who's very, very good, at Butler, at DePaul versus Georgetown. They could win four or five here and finish up with a 10-10 conference record and an 18-13 overall record. Not sure that resume gets them in without some help in the Mass- at Madison Square Garden, but they, they need to get it going. The loss Saturday was or Sunday was was pretty devastating for them because it's at home. It's a Seton Hall team that's not that much better than you, should not be that much better than you. And Patino, after the game, let loose uh, about a variety of things. You know, he gets he gets asked a question by Zach Brazil of the, of the New York Post, and he just starts off by saying, "To be honest with you, I'm just getting ready for Georgetown because Georgetown can definitely beat us." And then he gets asked about like what's going on right now. He says, do we have bleepy facilities? Yes, we do. But we're doing something about that. It's not the job. You could be at Missouri and recruit slow players. Believe me, it's not St. John's. We had to put together this team at the last second, and we will never, ever, ever do that again. After I spent the summer with them, I knew it was going to be a difficult year. I knew it. I'm just hoping that we could finish over 500 for the season. He then goes on to talk about the defense being bad and says, look, Joel's slow laterally. He's not fast on the court. Chris Ledlam is slow laterally. Sean Conway slow laterally. Brady's physically weak. Drissa is slow laterally. He's just throwing these kids under the bus. Like, just completely, 
you can say it's you know it's calling it like it is when you you like the coach. It's throwing him under the bus when you don't like the coach. And if we're going to stay on message here, I mean, we have not liked when Kenny Payne has done the same types of things and has not taken ownership of, of, of issues here. It's Patino's doing the same thing. Now, the, the difference is Rick Patino's won national titles at multiple schools and been to Final Fours at, at four different schools. And you have a lot of faith in his ability to, to know what he's talking about. But it's still, I mean, you can say it's a, I mean, a lot of people are like, this is a motivational tool. I don't know. I think this is genuinely just Rick being pissed off and saying exactly what's on his mind because he doesn't care anymore. I think that's what this was. And it, the 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 one thing now, because I've always thought, since he got the gig and since they started you know, hitting the ground running, I wasn't sure if he was going to be able to get to a Final Four at St. John's, but I, I thought, you know, in the next five, six years, he's going to have them as being one of the better teams in the Big East. They're going to be like a top four seed. They'll have a team that's Final Four good. I think the hurdles for Rick at St. John's now are maybe more significant than I thought. I mean, you heard it right there in that spiel. He's talking about, we'll never build a team like this again. Well, when he was getting all these players out of the portal before the season, he did a big interview with The Athletic, and and kind of his whole thing was recruiting doesn't really matter anymore. It's all about getting money for NIL. He's like, with NIL... I can get the same players that Kentucky can get because we have equal money and it's, we're going after guys in the portal. And now he's sitting here being like, he's kind of implying that he's hearkening for the days of old. He wants to go back to, it's what he did at Louisville. Like he hated when guys had to leave early for the pros. He loved being able to get guys and develop them over the course of four full seasons and get them to their full potential. And he was incredibly good at doing it. And that's, that's where his brilliance lies. He's a great tactician, but it's those individual instructions that you hear so so much about. That's what separates him from so many other people. That that individual 20 minutes that he spends with every single player every single day. He makes sure that he gets the absolute most out of you. And you can't do that when you've only got a guy in your program for an eight-month period. And I think that's the issue that he's going to run into here. Because you're saying you're never going to build a, a team like this again. You may not have a choice in the matter. There's no guarantee. You know, he's got... A lot of guys here this year that are contributing at a, at, a, at a relatively high clip for a whatever team that probably aren't coming back next year. I mean, you got you convinced Soriano to come back for one more season of college basketball. He's gone after this year. He's a senior. A lot of the guys you got in the portal, they had one year left. They're not coming back. And now some guys who maybe were coming back, <laughs> you've thrown them under the bus. They may not be coming back as well. Like he's. He's going to be tasked with a similar offseason coming up this this coming year. It's not like there's a ton of I mean, they've got one freshman on their roster. So, you know, building things the right way, getting things going, like, I, don't, I mean, if you want to talk about three or four years down the line, maybe. I don't think the St. John's fans are going to be that patient. I was, I shouldn't say shocked, because it's, it, it, again, it, it's, it's a nice reminder that it's every fan base that does it. It's not just Louisville fans are this insane. I mean, the comments on those stories about his comments after the game in the, in, in the post-game press conference are just littered with St. John's fans who are like, get out. Fire Patino now. Like, you know, get, we were promised so much, and he's not delivering. Like, if he hates it so much here, like, he needs to just go somewhere else, all this stuff. Like, they're not going to sit around and wait for you to bring in decent recruiting classes and then develop those guys and, and get the most out of them when they're juniors and seniors. 
telling them you are going to wait three or four years to be good. I don't know. Now, I, I do think he's he's talking about we just want to finish above 500. They're two games above 500 right now. They have about as easy an ending schedule and conference play as you can possibly have. They're, they're going to finish well above 500, and they're going to absolutely make some noise and be right there on the verge of getting an NCAA tournament berth once the, the, the tournament rolls around. They're going to be one of those teams that you circle and say if they can win two games in the Big East tournament, they're probably going to get in. And we know how Rick does at Madison Square Garden. So I think some of it is probably just Rick being Rick. But I think that most of it has come from the heart. He's pretty pissed off. He called it <laughs> the most unenjoyable experience of my life, which I, I the Patino hyperbole, it's always been over the top. My favorite thing of all time was the Every single year at March, talking about how this was the toughest first-round opponent he's ever faced. I did a whole story on this one time about how he said it about 17 different teams. Um, but this may take the cake because, I mean, you had some bad moments here for sure. You had some bad moments with the Celtics. You've, you, you've, I mean, you were out of basketball for a year after you got fired at Louisville. I'm sure that was, you talked about how unenjoyable that was, living on a boat going to the racetrack and not knowing what to do with yourself. There's no way this has been the most unenjoyable experience of his life. But in the moment, he felt that way and he was going to say it. So classic case of uh, of Rick being Rick. I'm sure he'll get things figured out as best he can, but not the type of first season at St. John's that a lot of people were predicting and not the type of, of first season that he was having or uh, that he thought he was going to have. Now, will we take it here? Of course. Would you take Rick Pitino back? We're not going to get into it, no. Uh, but we we would take 14 and 12 in a heartbeat right now. Louisville, unfortunately, 8 and 18 after their latest thumping an 86 to 59 defeat at Pittsburgh. We talked about it at the beginning of the show. I don't have, a, a, if you want me to rehash some thoughts there, I don't have a whole lot to say about the actual game because the conversation about, about, about the game, like, what do you really evaluate here? We're terribly shorthanded. I, I don't know how much to focus on the shorthandedness or the lack of defense. It all just came together to create this just, just, just mountain of gross. Just mountain of gross. Um, I, I made this comparison on Twitter during the game. Trey, what's the, the, the most amount of points you ever scored in a basketball game? Uh, I would guess somewhere around 15. Okay. But I don't know for sure. So like in, a, in a real game, like you know, playing for like, Eight teams or whatever growing up right, and right. stuff. Like I, I think I scored, like, like probably around that, like probably tw- around twenty. Yeah, a game or so. But one time in intramurals at Trinity. Oh goodness. Yeah, like we pl- there was a game we played, and like I think it was like the first round of the playoffs. And unfortunately, the other team had a couple of guys not show up, and a couple other guys be sick. So like, they had to play with four players, and it was it was you know it's the playoffs. So like you gotta you know, get get go, and so you know we lit them up. And I scored 33 points in the game. And it was the most I've ever, ever scored like any sort of semi-organized you know, game. But after the first quarter, like nobody cared. No, like no, nobody wanted to be there. After the first quarter when we were up like 26 to 4 or whatever it was, like nobody was really trying. So while it was cool that I was scoring a lot, I felt like it didn't really count. And that's kind of how it felt watching Blake Henson do what he <laughs> what he did on Saturday night. It was the only thing that I could think of where it's like, yeah, he's kind of be like, you know, we we're, we're shorthanded and we also kind of suck anyway. And 
and, and nobody's really trying. Like, how much enjoyment are you really getting out of this? And I, I think he was getting more enjoyment than I was getting out of mine. But the important thing to remember there is that I scored 33 points. That's that's the important thing. When I got to 27, I remember I was like, just feed me. I'm taking threes. Need 30. I, I, I got, I was, uh, 30 I'm Kobe in his last game at that point. Like, I've got to get my, to my mark. Like, I'm... I let everyone know I've got 27. Get me to 30. And then a little extra three. You just were counting the, the whole time or was somebody keeping stats? They're keeping stats. I was about to say. But I was also counting. I had to lose track of that. <laughs> I guarantee I was counting. Isn't it a real basketball? Once I get to a certain point, I'm like, oh, I've got, if I had like 21 and a half, I'm like, I got to get to 30 at this point. It's going to have to happen. I was in my blank Henson zone. But that's how it felt watching the game on Saturday. It was just like this, I don't even know what to do with this game. I know it's bad. And so... I think you just kind of revert to the conversations that we were having before this kind of run of of decent play or better play where you know Louisville's beating Georgia Tech and they're beating Florida State and they're being more competitive in games like the one against Syracuse they probably should have won in the game against Clemson. And now we go from is Kenny going to make this awkward by winning enough to like and, and having enough of a strong finish to to make people maybe rethink whether or not he deserves the third year to right to being right back into the whole like the numbers are overwhelmingly bad this is a team that's dead last in the big in the ACC all by themselves heading into the final three weeks of the regular season they're you know, you know I mentioned the five game losing streak to Pitt now where they're beating us by an average of 23.4 points per game it all goes back to people just being very very upset and wanting a change and wanting this to get back to being fun and so the, the the talk about the actual game itself, like yeah, the injuries clearly played a gigantic factor, and that sucks. But we can't sit here. Like, Kenny Payne's not in a position where saying that if we'd had Sky Clark and Tyler Johnson, we would have lost to a bubble pit team on the road by less than twenty seven as being enough of a check mark in his positive box to justify bringing him back for a third year. So while I, I, I do feel bad about the injuries happening and it's it has changed what could have been a different narrative towards the end of the season, I, I think it's just gotten us back to where this was always going the entire entire time, which is the necessity for a change moving forward. Now, is, is there like if he wins out or like you know we don't need to have these conversations anymore. It's not going to happen. We could beat Notre Dame on Wednesday, on Wednesday night for sure. We're not beating Duke at Cameron Indoor. Not going to happen. We could beat any one of Syracuse, VT, or Boston College at home to end the regular season in March. VT probably the least likely out of that group. They beat us decently bad down there in Blacksburg. But if you get healthy, if you get Sky Clark back and you you get Tyler Johnson back, or just at least one of them, you could win one of those last three games. I think they'll win two games before the end of the regular season. I think they'll beat... I I mean, I don't don't even know. They they might not beat Notre Dame on Wednesday, but I think they, they, they can. But five, we're talking about being 5-15, and 10-21. and 21. Before last year, we'd had one twenty loss season in the history of the program. We've been playing college basketball for 111 years. 111 years. We'd had one twenty loss season. And it was you know Denny Crum's worst season here. It was the, the worst season any of us had ever seen. We still beat Kentucky, won the national title that year. But we lose 28 games last year. We're going to lose 20-plus again this year. You can't, you cannot be the head coach of the second and third 20 loss seasons in the 110 plus year history of a program 
and say, I deserve a year three. You just, you, you can't. At some point, the numbers are the numbers. And the numbers say, this has been an objective failure, an abject failure on every single level. Every single level. Sanity has to take a place here. If this were Akron, you would say there's no way he can get a third year. No way he can get it. This is Louisville. And it's not Louisville in the midst of, like we brought up Houston earlier with Kelvin Sampson doing what he's done. Getting them relevant and back as a national powerhouse for the first time since the 80s. I mean, Houston was god-awful in the 90s and the 2000s. And most of the 2010s. And even at their lowest, if someone came in there, I mean, Clyde Drexler came in there and was just atrocious. And they, Clyde's, like Kenny Payne being one of our own, Clyde's, he is Houston basketball. And it still was so bad that they're like, yeah, we can't do this anymore, man. If anyone came to Houston at that point in time and won 14 games in the span of two years, they were going to get fired. We're Louisville. We haven't had a, a, a 30-year downspell. We won the national title a decade ago. We were number one on Ken Palm the year after that. Ten years ago, number one on Ken Palm. The year after that, went to the Elite Eight. A year after that, we would have been a top four seed if we hadn't self-banned ourselves from the postseason. It has not been, relatively speaking, that long since Louisville's not just been a good basketball program, but one of the biggest national powerhouses in the sport. This is not a debate. Should not be a debate. Losing 50 games in two years at this place, at this time, has to justify a firing. It just has to. Financials be damned. Everything else be damned. He could have lost at a at a previously unheard of clip and still been warranted in getting a year. This is worse than anybody ever could have predicted. When I was thinking bad for the first two years, I'm thinking, you know, 12, 13, 14 wins in year one, and then like a 19 and 16, 20 and 15 type season in year two, where we're, you know, we're, we're not really in the NCAA tournament picture, like that would have been bad. And I would have been like, I'm not sure that we can get him a year three in that situation. But if we did, I would have understood it. This is on a different level entirely. When people argue otherwise, I just, I, I have some respect for yourself as a Louisville basketball fan. Understand where we are as a program. Remember who you are. My God, we've got to get it back. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Uh, Trey, before we go back to the text line, give me a number 1 through 56. Let's do 2. Oh. Okay. Your coaching search candidate of the day, number 2 on the list. Maybe the hottest up-and-coming name. I say up-and-coming. He's kind of already at the top of the sport the moment name in college basketball coaching comes from a family of coaches grew up as a coach kind of in the shadow of his older brother but still a very fine player in his own right knew he was going to be a coach has done a remarkable job every year he's been a head coach got his first gig he's a northeastern guy you know we worked out well with patino Coached at Wagner, took them in the NCAA tournament his second year, immediately parlayed that into a gig at Rhode Island. 
made them as good as they'd been since Jim Herrick had been cheating his ass off there in the uh, the late 90s, and then gets the job at UConn, taking over a program that had fallen on some hard times after being a national powerhouse. First year, with a terrible roster, wins 16 games. Second year, they're in the NCAA tournament, have not missed the NCAA tournament since then, didn't have a lot of tournament success before last year, when all he did was produce maybe the most dominant run to a national title that we've ever seen. Danny Hurley, folks. Put him on the list. He's got the number one team in America. They're the reigning national champions. They got a great shot to become college basketball's first repeat national champion since Florida did it in 06-07. Palpable buzz out there that Josh Hurd has interest in Danny Hurley and that Danny Hurley has interest in Josh Hurd. There it is. Your second coaching. We're playing catch-up. Your second coaching candidate of the day. We've had Brian Earl from Cornell and Danny Hurley from UConn. If you had to pick one, who are you picking, Trey? Danny Hurley. I don't know. Brian Earl's done a great job. What, um, what are the odds? Do you think Danny would take it? No. No, I don't either. He's not leaving UConn. No, I don't think so either. That's the issue. It, it did. It hurt my soul a little bit. I watched. I mean, they blasted Marquette on Saturday in what was like the most hyped game of the regular season so far. Number one versus number four, and you know, UConn won it all last year. But Marquette was the Big East regular season and tournament champions, and all this stuff. And I mean, UConn just smacked them around from start to finish. But like the clips of Luke Murray, like being like the very active second man on the sideline. I'm like, we fired this guy at Louisville. <laughs> oh, and now all he's doing is just resurrecting UConn into becoming. Like the biggest program in college. I mean, they're the program in college basketball right now. They won it all last year. They dominated in six games. They're right back to being, they're better this year than they were a year ago. And like Luke Murray's been in the heart of all of it. And at one point in time, not that long ago, we were like, you're not good enough to be a Louisville. We've made some, don't get me wrong, some screw job stuff has, has played a large part in us being in the position we're in. We've also made some outrageous decisions collectively as a program. We have, we have played a part in our own demise, for sure. Uh, let's see here. All right, Thornton, we'll take a couple of texts here before we go to break. Five, uh, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Text says, give me your legitimate top three Star Wars movies. This is an issue for me. I've only seen the original three Star Wars movies. Trey, have you seen, do you know Star Wars? I don't know that I could name you three Star Wars movies, yeah. if I'm being honest. Okay, I kind of figured that. Yeah, I'm sorry. I saw the like, I've seen like the first like the the three from like the the seventies and the eighties, and I haven't seen any of the new ones. I've seen part of the the episode one that everybody hated so much. So I mean, I like Return of the Jedi is my favorite one. There you go. That's the best answer. I'm sorry, I, I know I disappointed you, but that's the best answer I can give. Texture says, "Are the practice injuries coming from defensive drills, dudes?" Running into each other with shoulders, concussions, etc. I have no idea what the end, but we, this is like the third one we've had this year where it's been like a concussion like symptom. Um, I mean, Sky got hurt in the, in the Georgia Tech game, he broke his rib in the Georgia Tech game. We know that, but I don't, I don't know where all these injuries are coming from. Are they hurt or they just don't want to play? I believe, I mean, I assume they're hurt. You think so? Yeah, maybe they're both. Who knows? I don't know. It, 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 I mean, it, like if Tyler's out for four weeks with concussion-like symptoms, then then I think maybe we can question something being up. But um, I assume that they're legit injuries. Texas says, we were in Gulf Shores last spring. We watched the NCAA tourney game that Alabama lost at a sports bar near our resort. Probably like 30 people in there 
Almost every table in there had people wearing University of Alabama gear. I had to ask our waitress to turn the Alabama b-ball game on. Even after that, no one hardly paid attention to it or reacted when they lost. It felt so odd. That's, a, that, that's why you can go and you can get a guy like Nate Oates. I do love the, um, the, 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 the stories from, I had friends who went to the, the Final Four where Buddy Hill took Oklahoma. And all the Oklahoma, I think Oklahoma's a pretty proud basketball program. You know, they've they've been to multiple Final Fours. Like they've they've been good more times than not. But they were talking about how all the 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 fans of Oklahoma were like, yeah, we're kind of uh, happy about this, but but for the most part, you know, we're 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 just focused on football. We're focused on spring practice. Um, it was, I mean, you also had some pretty proud family. Villanova was in that that Final Four. Kansas was in that Final Four. Um, so it was a little bit different. But yeah, things things are not like the way they are at most major college programs in America. Like Basketball does not steer the ship at most programs. It's why I think a job like Louisville is still really desirable, even with the current climate. Texas, I just got back from Disney. Make sure to get that Genie Plus so Virginia's able to meet all the princesses without a wait. The price is definitely worth it. Our twin girls are still talking about it. Oh, we're, we're all over the Genie, Genie Plus. We're trying to plan out our lightning lanes. Like, what were you... For, Trey, have you ever been to Disney? It has been a very long time, but yes, I have. So I went when I was 10. It's the only time I've ever been. I think my wife went, like, the same exact, like, time in our lives. Like, we both went in the mid-90s. It's so different now than it was then. Like I, I had no idea when we just we always knew like Virginia's obsessed with Disney and princesses and stuff. So we always knew we were gonna take her. But like I just assumed it was like it was back then. Like you, you find a place to stay and like boom, you like you you go to the Magic Kingdom, you walk you have to like plan out every little thing that you do. Like there are people whose full time jobs are helping people plan their Disney trips. Like you've got to pick out which ride you want to do at this time. You have to sign up for it before you go get in line. Like it's just it's absolute insanity. And I don't know how, like, there's some people who go to Disney World like 15 times a year. I don't know how they afford it. It's insanely expensive, and it's so much planning. Um, but, we're, I mean, we're, we're excited. We've got to, I think we have a decent handle on what our plan of attack is. But, yeah, you have to, like, pre- you have to, like watch these videos and, like, take notes and stuff. It's insane. I don't, I don't care for it, but I'm hoping it's going to be a good time. We're going to take our last break here. When we come back, we'll take some text from you guys, and then we will look ahead to the night that will be in sports. Another good big Monday We'll make some bets for the night ahead. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. It wraps up next here on 1450 The Big X. I had a friend whose dad listened to the song on repeat probably 34 times after a baseball tournament one time, and it's kind of ruined the song for me. I still like it, but like it was one of the most outrageous things I've ever experienced where he just refused to listen to any song besides this one. Just repeat for an entire like two-hour drive home from a tournament in Cincinnati. Outrageous. 
What, what he just likes the song, or it was apparently he was in one of those. He was a funny guy, but he was like in this mood where he's like kept playing it over and over and over. And I think he thought it was like funny. And at a certain point, like we weren't like being like, "Hey, oh no, like this is kind of funny." We we're like, "I'm gonna lose my mind if you play this song one more time." That's how I felt, at least. It was rough. Uh, speaking of rough, I apologize for my voice today. We're still getting back after the uh, flutopia, flu uh, disaster, flu catastrophe at the Rutherford household for the past couple of weeks. But we're here. We've made it almost through an entire Monday show. We got about 20 minutes left. If you want to have your thoughts heard on the radio, send them in to 502-414-1450. We still have a ton of text to read. Props to you guys for turning it up here on a Monday. Lots of thoughts. Very, very opinionated as always. And we will uh, read as many texts as we can. Then we'll talk about tonight's big Monday games and give you some big X, big bets of the night. Uh, Trey Ryan from Cluckers is here. He's been uh, he's been doing his thing. We appreciate that. But text line, 502-414-1450. Texter says, KP as a head coach is the worst thing that's ever happened to Louisville basket- basketball by every statistical measure. It can't be argued any other way. I mean, I would. you could argue the NCAA stuff is the worst thing that that ever happened to Louisville basketball. But as far as, like, hires, it's, it's bad. There's no way around it. Texas says, if there's a year three, I will legitimately support a protest outside of UofL's campus. There we go. Texas says, thanks for the President's Day update, Mike. I just vomited in my mouth. No way that list was on the up and up. Fake news from Chris the Plumber. Sorry, Chris. I, I told you to brace yourself. Texter says, uh, Mike is alive. Fire KP still. I'm alive. Texas says, Truman is my personal favorite. There you go. Texas says, Chris the Plumber is going to have some issues with that presidential list. Perfect timing on the text. He did. Texter says, Whereas football teams have specific uh, position coaches, do baseball teams usually have a pitching coach that is dedicated to just coaching the bullpen? Because that seems to be our biggest issue the past couple of seasons. I mean, pitching coaches, I think, are overall... It's a a, a fine point. We have coaches for every single area of sports. Uh, I mean, you now have football coaches that are just passing game coordinators and running game coordinators and all this stuff. And you know, basketball now is kind of jumping on the bandwagon. You're seeing the latest trend in college basketball is you have coaches that are just defensive coaches and some coaches that are just offensive coaches that are calling out sets in the middle of games. It's It would make sense to have like a starting pitching coach and a bullpen coach. I, I think the thought process is that the mechanics are basically the same for both. You know, It's more about mechanics and locating pitches and, and, and grips and all this stuff. Although I think you do throw differently as a bullpen guy than you do as a starter. You know, starter, you're, you're trying to go for longevity. Bullpen, you're trying to give everything you've got for one, two, three hitters sometimes. Uh, the bullpen, I hesitate to, to I, I know I did talk about this and talk about how it's jarring to see the same issues arise. I don't want to do too much of this because we've only played two games. But the bullpen was absolutely the issue, the biggest issue with last year's team. And it blew two games and two opportunities to start the season. So it's understandable why we all would look at this and say, fire, fire, fire. This is not not fire Roger Williams, but fires and panic. Hopefully, they can get those problems figured out. They've got a, a, a ton of arms now through the transfer portal. They should be able to find the right mix of guys that can help them out. And hopefully, my hope, is that these first couple of weeks, any issues that arise with the bullpen are just a product of that, trying to figure out who can get it done in those spots and who can't, and then moving forward from there. That's usually what 
a big part of these first couple of weeks of the college baseball season are about. You're playing lineups that you're not going to play later in the year. You're figuring out what your best nine is, and then you're going from there. So we'll see. But certainly a discouraging opening weekend. Texture says, related to the, the colorblind Brian Brom text, I have a friend that didn't know he was colorblind until our AP chemistry class when he couldn't tell the difference between the green neutrons and the orange protons in our textbook. The look on his face when he realized that he lived the first 15 years of his life not knowing the difference between those two colors was something else. So I've heard stories like this where people find out like later in life that they're colorblind, and I don't understand how. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember preschool or kindergarten. Colors are a big part of that. Like, like the, you know, knowing your colors is a, at one point in time, it's like the big thing. It's it's the big hurdle to climb. And if you don't, they're going to, like, they know about it. If you can't differentiate between red and green, like, it gets talked about. So, uh, like, the movie, uh, what's the, uh, Little Miss Sunshine, I think it's a great movie. Love Steve Carell. But, one of the plot points is the you know this uh, the the older brother is he's tr- he's taking this vow of silence and he's he's trying to he wants to fly uh, planes in the in the air force I think is his life is his career goal and he realizes on like a car trip when they're going to the, the the beauty pageant that he's colorblind and he can't he, you can't fly planes if you're colorblind and he like, freaks out about it and he's like, 18 years old I'm like how did, I was like this is the least believable thing of this whole movie is that the kid. Couldn't find out he was colorblind. But I guess it happens. I don't know how. I guess it happens. Texture says, uh, catch me up on the competition that we have with Ohio State. Do we think that we're looking on the, at the same guys? Are there any reason to believe that they're the favorites for anyone we like? Well, I don't know who we like, to be fair. I you, you got the rumors. The overlap candidates that you're seeing with the job, like at least when it comes to the people that are, are making the the list and the, the initial like Dusty May is on a lot of lists about the Ohio State job. And I think that that's like, that's understandable because Dusty May is at Florida Atlantic. He wants to step up and Louisville and Ohio State both are step up steps up. It, it kind of, it, it's not, it's, it's not any port in the storm, but it's like, I, I, I want to be a power conference coach. So if, a, if another power conference coach uh, job opens up soon, Dusty May is probably gonna be on the list too. If Vanderbilt fires Jerry Stackhouse, Dusty May will be on that list. The, I mean, Sean Miller is gonna get a lot of love for that job, even though Xavier's not having a great season. Um, Greg McDermott is a lot of people's pick to get that job, even though he could wind up being a Creighton lifer if he ever is going to make a move. Like now, probably seems like the time. I haven't seen a ton of other names attached. That Mick Cronin has gotten attached to that that job a little bit. He's on the list. I think that there's legitimate buzz about him being unhappy at UCLA with some of the things that are going on out there. And while I do think that he's openly targeting the Louisville job, and he has before, two years ago, I can 100% tell you he he wanted the Louisville job. 2018, he wanted the Louisville job. Uh, maybe now the situation has become so untenable that he's would be willing to jump for a step down like Ohio State. And I hate to say that, but you know, UCLA is historically a level above Louisville. I think there are advantages that we, like we have better fan base than they do now. We have better facilities than they do now. But they've got more history than we do for sure. Uh, like Ohio State's clearly a step down from both those programs. Ohio State's a good program, but hasn't won what we've won, hasn't won what UCLA's won. They don't 
care about basketball the way that those two programs do. So it'd be telling if if you lose a, a coach from UCLA to go to Ohio State, that would be telling, but I think it's possible. So those guys are in the mix. But I, if it comes down to it, like I feel good about our chances to beat out Ohio State. If it, if it's if it becomes a simple thing as we want Nate Oates, they want Nate Oates, or we want Mick Cronin, they want Mick Cronin, I feel good about our chances to win that battle. The only thing that would change it is if we wait a long time to fire Kenny Payne. They have an opening right now. They can go out there and they can talk to these agents. They can do the back channel stuff. They can be prepared. And if if we're sitting here waiting for the buyout to drop March 31st, it's it makes it tougher for us, which is why I don't think we're going to wait for the buyout to drop. We're going to play on an AC tournament Tuesday on March 12th. If we lose that game, I would expect Kenny Payne to be fired by March 13th, March 14th. I don't think they're going to wait the three weeks for the buyout to drop, especially if they've got a buyer, a pair. Texas, hey, Alabama, I drink your milkshake, pretty much. Texas says, Ryan Lemon blocked me. Does that count? No. Texas, are you hearing the Brahms are having some qualms with the athletic department? I mean, look. No, not 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 on a high enough level for it to be a thing. But like every coach, the, the happiest coach at U of L, the happiest coach who's ever been, has had stuff that behind closed doors they're talking about they want it to be better. I I guarantee. I mean, Dan McDonald had his talk about the facilities last year. I guarantee if you talk to Jeff Walls, there are things like that he wants. He's always you know, talking about stuff, politicking for better facilities and, and upgrades here and there after after every season. I'm sure Danny Busboom Kelly, I'm sure there are things that she wants. So I don't think there's anything to that. Texture says, I would love to get Nate Oates just to get the Bring Brom Home guy to shut the hell up. He's going to shut the hell up regardless. So, you know, if we get Mick or we don't, like it's going gonna, it's gonna to come to an end pretty soon. Texas, another random story that I heard. Shaq was 100% set on coming to Louisville if Crum could guarantee him the starting center spot, but Crum refused, so Shaq went to LSU. And I, any idea if that one is true? I, I think that he sold. He he said some variation of that story, where like he was. I think Shaq himself kind of started that rumor. Who knows if it was true or not? I, I think the the biggest one like that that's true is the D'Angelo Russell thing where D'Angelo Russell very much went to Rick Pitino and was like, I, look, I'm a Louisville guy. I want to guarantee that I'm going to start. And Pitino was like, it doesn't work that way. And he went to Ohio State, and he's like, I want to guarantee that I'm going to start. And they're like, hell yeah, man. Like, like, You can do whatever you want here. Like That one was absolutely true. The Shaq not coming in. Mean, there, there are a lot of crazy what-if stories, like the Larry Bird one uh, about playing the game of, of horrors. Hakeem Olajuwon, like that one, is, is a pretty wild story. There are a lot of ones like, of, of guys that we almost got. Texture says, thoughts on the uh, terrible Tony Vanetti tweet last week. It was, it was terrible. Texture says, Tommy Lloyd just signed a five-year extension. I guess us and Washington got Arizona's attention. Uh, Tommy Lloyd's killing it. Now, he has not had an NCAA tournament success, but they were the fourth number one seed as as of Saturday. You've got, I mean, you've got a guy who's been a, this is his third year as a head coach. Had never been a head coach just like Kenny Payne, lifetime assistant. In three years, he's on pace to be a one seed, a two seed, and a one seed. It's outrageous. Now, if they get beaten the first weekend again this year, it's going to start to 
raise some eyebrows about that, and that'll become part of his reputation. But my God, that guy's getting it done. Five year extension, though. Yeah, that's that's gonna make him untouchable. Texas, but is Mick worth paying sixteen million dollars for? If they can't get out of that loophole with you know, with, the, with UCLA changing conferences, then I would say no. Honestly, I, I think there are better options out there, and there are, are options who maybe even if they're slightly worse, are, are the financial disparity in the, in the two make them the better option. But yeah, it's a lot. Texas says, "All right, Mike, you have convinced me to come out of retirement and save Louisville basketball." Best, Jay Wright. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate it. Texas, I was at the women's game yesterday. While I don't think it affected the final result, the officiating was truly horrible. Missing stuff that high school officials wouldn't miss. Also, the 502 Collective raised nearly 30K at halftime. Once men's basketball gets back on track, the NIL support is going to be absolutely insane. Uh, women's basketball officiating is the worst. We say it after every game, I feel like. It's, it, it remains the worst. There's no question about it. It's terrible. Yeah, they, they did one of those flash gives at halftime. They did the same thing at the Notre Dame football game. It's brilliant. You go to the, one of the most attended games and, and get people to just really quickly scan a QR code and say, hey, donate five, ten bucks here. We're, we're good to go. And, and they raised $30,000. One of the issues that we do have, and Crawford talked about this last week on the show, and I, I mentioned like gripes that coaches have behind closed doors, the NIL situation with women's basketball does put us at a disadvantage compared to the the bigger program. And there's no reason for that to be the case. Like We lead the ACC every single year in attendance. We're top five every single year in, in women's basketball attendance. This is, a, a again, an area that cares about college basketball more than any other in the country. And we've been wildly successful with Jeff Walls at a program that had not been wildly successful at any point in time before he got here. So the NIL situation here needs to get better. Donations like that are going to help, but we've got to get that fixed if we want to get back to being top five, top 10, like legitimate national title threat. As good of a, you know, as, as, as fine a season as this has been, you know, we want to get back to being one of those teams that's in top five odds to, to win it all. Texas Changeling is the movie. Thank you. That's right. My wife told me to tell you. Thank you to your wife. Your wife was exactly right. Texas, hey, uh, Life of Pi was actually pretty good, Trey from Cluckers. The worst movie that I ever saw on a date was Jumper. Um, not familiar with Jumper. Doesn't sound like a great date movie just by the title, but Texas says Oates adds up all the rumors that we've heard to this point. SEC coach, buyout money isn't an issue. If a head coach that doesn't want his name out there because his team is having a good year. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, he's been like, like, you know, the coaches that have had their names out there and tied to this job, I, I think very obviously have wanted that to be the case. Dusty May wants out of FAU after this year uh, for obvious reasons. Mick Cronin, I think, wants out of UCLA for administrative reasons. Same thing with Jerome saying at Kansas State. And Musselman at Arkansas is you know, increasing as the season has gone on. He's having some issues there. Um, Oates, look, Oates is, is beloved down there at Alabama. He's got the full support of the administration. They clearly stuck behind him through everything last year. He's well-paid. They've got good facilities down there, relatively speaking. But it's Alabama, and it's a football school, and... There's not a ton of basketball history down there, and there's not a ton of basketball fanaticism down there. I'm sure he wants to be at a program where basketball is the show. And look, basketball is the show here. Texas says, if the rumor uh, were true that someone has stepped forward to pay the buyout, does that mean this person would have a vote in the new hire? 
Good question. I I don't have an answer for you. I mean, they might be able to make a recommendation. My hope is that, like, the new hire is made. Uh, let Josh be the AD, right? If he blows it, he blows it, and, and then we'll we'll find the new AD in a few years. But this has to be his hire. Now he may hire same consulting firm or you know, I don't, something like that, but. It can't just be the people around the program that have the money or the influence are, are, are forcing his hand one way or the other. We need to go ahead and just say, you know, we tried to do it your way. The people that have been trying to, the, you know, the, the former players that back in 01 wanted Jerry Eves to get the job over Rick Pitino and then in 2018 wanted... Kenny Payne to get the job over Chris Mack, and then 2022 demanded that Kenny Payne get the job and nobody else really be considered. Like, we we tried it your way. That that ship has sailed forever. ADs hire the coaches now. They're paid handsomely to get these types of jobs done. It's on them to find the right guys. Let them do their jobs. We don't need that. We don't need the fans hiring people. We don't need former players hiring people. We don't need big time boosters hiring people. We need the people who are paid to do the hiring to do their jobs. Let let them do their jobs. We've learned our lesson now. We're not listening to you anymore. We're never going to do that again. Never. Texas, I got blocked by Steve Lavin, Josh Dobbs, Torian Prince, and Eric Gordon for tweeting about them, but never at them. Those are the ones, yeah. I mean, if, if you're not tweeting at somebody and they, they're searching their names, then whatever. F them. Texter says, uh, nice rant, Mike. Was not a rant. Not a rant at all. <coughs> Texas says, Charlie Strong uh, would love it here now. No one wants to talk basketball now. He would. Texas says, uh, not real time and not me. A Twitter bot did it last night. What, what is this? What type of dweeb can't even name three Star Wars movies? I mean, that's Trey. Trey's not a dweeb. Uh, oh, the... I appreciate the, the the quote graphic. That's very well done. Thank you. Texas says, just got the show back on. Did you all see Tommy Lloyd signed an extension? Yes, we just talked about it. Props to him. Texas, bring Brom home on the Bird app over the last couple of days has made numerous declarations that it is signed, sealed, and delivered that our next coach is Cronin. Any substance? No. No. There is no truth to the Dundeal McCronin talk. There's no truth to the Dundeal Eric Musselman talk. There's no truth to the Dundeal anything talk. Nothing is done. Nothing is done. Nothing's done. Texas says, where do the women's game attendance end up? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't see the official number, but it, I, I would guess it had to have been around above 10. would be my guess. Looked great. Texas LeBron was never coming here, but LeBron has made public comments in the past about if he were to go to college, he'd really thought about playing under Rick. I doubt Nike would have ever allowed it. Yeah, the, that all stems back from a Patino story. It started with the Patino story about recruiting him and you know, his dad and all that, having that relationship, even though his dad was never in the picture, which kind of makes the story weird. But then LeBron did say at one point in time that he told, he told Sebastian Telfair, like, if I was going to go to college, I would have gone, I would have gone to Louisville with you. So we can claim LeBron, Cardinal alumni. Texas says, Chris the Plumber didn't watch any of the NBA All-Star Weekend out of uh, protest of Jonathan Isaac and Ennis Cantor not being selected. I mean, to be fair, I didn't watch any of the All-Star Weekend stuff either. I saw the highlights of like the dunk contest and, I watched none of the game last night. I just yeah, No interest. Texas Trey Ryan from Cluckers got real offended that he was called a dweeb. 
I, I find it. Uh, never mind. I'll, I'll, I'll bite my tongue. Oh, he thought better of it. Oh, I almost said something kind of mean, Mike, but it, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Hey, you're a radio uh, pro now. I can be a dweeb. That's fine. There you go. Texas, would you pay for KP's buyout or the Trump sneakers? <laughs> I would pay for KP's buyout. Uh, before we get off air, bring Jay Wright home. Thank you. Texas, bring Brom home, guy. Uh, bring bring Brom home, breaking through the muted walls in Twitter. He's getting good at this. I've noticed like he's he's got a graphic now of Mick Cronin in UofL stuff. Oh, he's getting official. Jeez, yeah, he's hey, home stretch now. It's you like, said, and you said it'll stop if if McCrone gets the job. You said it'll stop. Hey, don't you don't think so? Yeah, I think he'd go on a little bit of a victory lap. No. Well, I mean, yeah, but it, I mean, if we eventually it would subside, yeah, but uh, nah. if we because he, he didn't stop when when Satterfield got the you know he's like I'm not leaving, and they brought him back for another year. He kept doing the bring Brom home stuff for a while. So like I don't know like if we hire if we hire Nate Oates or Eric Musselman or somebody. Like, is he going to keep just doing Mick as the pick on until, everything? Until he gets it done. I well, mean, that's going to be a long time. But at what point do you give that up? I mean, who Hopefully knows? soon. Hopefully soon, yeah. Texas says the portal opens March 15th. We absolutely need our next coach in place as soon as possible uh, to that date. We play Notre Dame this Wednesday and then have a week-long break when we play Duke with only four to five games left. That week break could be a good time to pull the plug and get a leg up against other programs in the search process. Pulling the plug would at least give the fan base the courtesy of getting past the topic of if we'll have a new coach. We'll know we'll be getting a new coach. If we fire Kenny Payne when I'm at Disney, I'm going to, I mean, I'll, oh my God, I don't, it'd be so fitting. Just do a remote show at that point. Well, I'd have to do yeah, something. I'd have, have to just like call yeah, in. Like, you'd have to. Do the show because, yeah, that's, that would be just so perfectly imperfect. Texas Dweeb isn't even an insult. It was a joke. Sorry, I hurt your feelings, Trey. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. We've got uh, big Monday basketball tonight. We got one gigantic game in the world of the, uh, the Big 12. We've got an ACC rivalry game first, though. 7 o'clock on ESPN. Virginia is on the road taking on Virginia Tech. Uh, Hokies, no real shot to make the NCAA tournament. Virginia kind of, you know, you know they, they seem to be rolling there for a little bit. They, they, they had the loss to Pitt. They barely beat Wake Forest over the weekend. Now in Castle Coliseum, uh, they are a three-and-a-half-point road favorite. I kind of like VT to cover the three-and-a-half here. But again, I've been ice cold, so just take these picks and fade them. But give me, give me, or VT is a favorite. I take it back then. Um, I think VT wins. I'm going to say VT wins and covers the three and a half. Wow. Yeah. I'm, put, I'm thinking about putting that one on the slip tonight, too. There you go. Uh, well, there's not, you know, not a lot to choose from. You know, like, get a lot of SWAC games tonight. Did you talk about Kansas State yet? Texas? No, we got oh, Kansas State, Texas. We'll go down at nine o'clock. Kansas State on the road taking the Longhorns. Longhorns, eight and a half point home favorites. They need this win more than K State does. Both teams technically NCAA tournament chances. Texas, the better. I think Texas wins. I think Kansas State covers the eight and a half. Uh, and then the Agreed. big game, number six, Iowa State on the road, taking on number 10 to Houston. Houston, eight and a half point favorites. I think that number's too large. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they just blow the doors off Iowa State tonight. I think Iowa State covers. Give me Houston by seven tonight. Uh, we'll say 78-71. That's the final there. Regardless, enjoy the basketball. We're back tomorrow at three o'clock. It'll be a fun time. We'll talk to you then. Have a fantastic Monday night. Go Cards. Come together.